Welcome to Every Album Ever with Mike and Alex. My name is Michael Mansour, and I'm joined, as always, by my enlightened co-host, Alexander Volt. Say hello. Hello. This is Every Album Ever, the podcast where we listen to every single album in the world, one artist at a time. That's a whole new discography per episode, and today we'll be discussing every album by Mr. Bungle. Oh, oh, I'm getting chills, buddy. Getting chills. It's a big one. It's a big one. This was surprisingly requested on Patreon by Sid, uh, who... Old old fans will will recognize uh, we we refer to him as Coco Rosie Sid because we <laughs> fucking hated him because he requested Coco Rosie who we hated. Check out that episode if you want. And then he completely redeemed himself by requesting what, one of my favorite bands of all time. I imagine a longtime favorite of yours as well. Uh this oh Bungle. This, oh okay sorry. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Sid has been in the atmosphere of this part. I didn't. I was like I think he requested other ones, but uh. Uh, he did, but we haven't gotten to them. We haven't gotten to them. Yeah. But this one is a, was a full-on Patreon request. Go to Patreon if you want to request stuff for us. Please, thank you. Please, please, please. Uh, so we were obligated to put it on the schedule, even though I would have done it at some point anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, now that we're like two years into looser rules and uh, kind of surprising, this are, are, took us this long to do a, a Mike Patton band. It took us... Almost four years to do. Oh, this is yeah. This is our first Mike Patton band. Yep, and we're We've, both big old Patton fans. Yeah, uh, in the year end, talked about Dead Cross a little bit. We did uh, talk about the the most recent Bungle album in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, not a full blown episode until until now. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. I, I imagine this will kind of open the floodgates for more Patton bands. Um. I imagine there, there's no reason not to do faith no more. Uh, yep. How many, how many albums does Tomahawk have these days? Tomahawk has, hold on, hold on. Five. I think, I think that five, that's a real easy one. Yep. Yep. Lovage. That's one. Lovage. That's one. Peeping Tom. Peeping Tom. Yeah. You know, this, yeah, this is a, a, a nice well yeah. we struck here. Yeah. Uh, but I'm excited. Uh, where, how far back do you go with them? Um, I don't remember why I was like, I want to listen to this weird stuff. I think I, I listened to them before I got into Faith No More. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, back when you use CDs are still probably kind of cheap, maybe. Um, so hopefully that, very cheap. That was uh, that was nice to be able to pick up the three at the time. And then uh, when I was like converting to vinyl, I gave those three albums to you. Yes, you did. And yep. I still have them. Uh, That's why I gave them to you. Hell yeah. Uh, man, B- Bungle is definitively one of my life-changing bands. Yeah. I, I found them when I was 19 from a Mr. Mark Prindle's website, which I've referenced many times on this pod, who actually gave some quotes in our Hammerhead episode. Um, I found uh, I found a lot of bands there, but... I'd always known the name Mr. Bungle and mm-hmm. weirdly coincidentally, uh, my dad who like did some art and stuff, he drew, he came with this character, this really interesting looking character and he named him Mr. Bungle, complete coincidence. Yeah. Um, so I always knew the name just in my childhood and yeah. then I was like, there's a band Mr. Bungle. And I had, I was very perplexed by it. And then, then I eventually learned who Mike Patton was and I was like, Oh, I always heard his name around. And then finally I decided to take the plunge. And I, I, I actually don't even remember now, but I believe I started with, started with Bungle and then very quickly 
went to Faith No More after that. Mm. I, I heard Bung was like, I need more. I need more of this fucking guy. Yeah. I uh, just I just remembered my journey. Oh, go ahead. Um the album by Phantomos, Suspended Animation, had came out. And That's the, another band we can also do. Yeah. There was a lot of buzz around that. And so I started with Phantomos and then went Bungle and then oh, Faith No More. Interesting. You started with Phantomos. Man, that's a, a real abrasive one to start with. I don't know how to like explain that there was a lot of critical hype and buzz around a Phantomos album because that sounds insane it to sounds say. It sounds impossible. <laughs> but... If, if you were a music nerd in 2005, trust me, su- suspended animation was like the talk of the soul called town, if you want. Man, I haven't listened to them in a while. They are a tough band to listen to. You have to be ready and in the mood or else. Yes. Oh, my God. There's varying degrees of insanity going on there. Uh, you do you, this real quick because I don't want to spoil that. Ooh. Do you enjoy the the one where it's like film scores? I actually quite love that one. Okay, and I because of that album, I went back to the originals. That's uh, right. Yeah, and I actually I do prefer the originals for a lot of them mm-hmm. just because like it feels way more like natural. But I mean, some of them are I uh, I um I like so much more like the experiment in terror. Yeah. The Phantom version is fucking godly. So much better than the original. No offense to Henry Mancini or whatever the fuck. Uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good one. That's a very interesting one. Yeah. So it, there we go. That yeah. that like got the ball rolling on my Mike Patton journey. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. I actually went back and watched the fucking movies from that album because I was so interested. Oh shit. Uh, but Bungle, uh, also a band that is very you have to be ready. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole lot here. But as soon as I heard as soon as I heard them, uh, it was like, this is it. This is music for me now. Like, I need <laughs> shit this adventurous and brilliant and unpredictable. And it was a, it was a whole new door opened. Um, this this is the origins of why Mike likes circus and carnival music. Kind of. Because, yeah, yeah, I like beef heart <laughs> since I was, like, much, much younger. But this it, is a little more. This is literally circus music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. But uh, we have some notes here from our boy Tom Osmonds, who you should who you should all go follow because he does a lot of work for us. He does all the digging of interviews and snippets and all the things that we it makes this a more well rounded show. Um, he pulled us some stuff from uh, the Bungle Fever website, from Trevor Dunn's website, an interview with Trey Spruance, my favorite guitar player in the whole world, um, from the Vinyl Guide podcast, and an interview with Mike Patton from Consequence of Sound. Uh, so you know the core members pretty much. Um, although there is one other core member who is, you know, uh, notably missing from the reunion lineup who I, I don't, I don't know the, I'm bothered by that, but also mm. I get it, but also I'm still bothered by that. Um, uh, we'll get into it more. Uh, but yeah, a little bit of backstory, uh, from old Northern California, Eureka. I don't know. Like, I don't know the full super nerdy details about them other than they came from, you know, bump up nowhere. And, uh, they were like high school friends yeah started a band out of high school they were like 16 when they did their, their first demo or whatever yeah something like that pretty wild and impressive which is important to remember for for later on in the podcast sure is because they put out several demos they were a band for a long time before they got any kind of push and they only got the push because Mike Patton joined faith no more. Yeah. Which is so funny that he's like, by the way, this crazy high school band that I have, you should <laughs> sign them to Warner brothers. And then, it, and then it happened. 
Man, that's a lot of power. Oh, it's it's so much power that it seems like completely impossible. Yeah. And then you look at how huge the real thing was when it came out. And oh yeah, like they yeah, Epic was an epic. Like it was like the biggest song ever. And like um man, I really hated that song for so many years and I fucking love it now. But I I hated that song because there was like growing up there was a commercial where um we'd get commercials for like compilation albums and you, you call and you order them i don't remember which one faith no more was on dude i think i remember that but this like it was so grating even as a child this like just like music music and then like you want it all, but you can't have it it's yeah 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 <laughs> in the context of the song it's awesome it's great yeah but it's just like normal stuff normal stuff and then they just like you hit, yeah so easily like, so just like hit you over the head with it so uh, i had like that aversion yeah 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 i yeah i it didn't win me over until i listened to it in the context of the album i was like oh it's actually fucking incredible and and now the um not Mike Patton era, but in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, they played We Care A Lot. Are you serious? It Are you fucking serious? I didn't know that. I didn't watch that movie. Sounded so fucking cool in a theater. I, Fuck. That I, is a great song. It's yeah. pre-Mike Patton, but it's still a great song. Yeah, I'm sure there are other people who are like, oh, fuck. But like in my theater, I'm pretty sure I was the only one who's like, fuck yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Damn it. You know, we have to do a favorite more episode because I've neglected those early albums too much. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, the high school friends, and I get they formed in 1985, and it's fucking nutty when you when you think about it, like Mike Patton is that old. Holy shit! It's crazy because he like he looks like he's in his like late 40s. Uh, isn't that what he what he's is in? He? Uh, sorry, I <laughs> he looks mean... like the age that he is. It's fucking crazy. He looks good for his age for sure. Did he? He must have. He must have got started when he was young no yeah they were like 16 yeah 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 that's right but i mean out of all of them trevor dunn looks amazing no he's 55 he's 55 oh, yeah, shit. yeah okay so trevor dunn looks like he's in his 40s okay he fucking looks really good yeah and trey um, uh trey is just giant and bearded and he, he looks he's always looked old but yeah um so they started at yeah, 1985 high school friends and pretty much death metal or like thrash death um, yeah thrash metal but like on the slayer side of things where it was a little bit more closer to death a little bit more aggressive uh and then they got a uh, longtime drummer the drummer their drummer danny heifetz mm -hmm. and this guy i mean he didn't join till like 89 so but like as soon as he joined that was I, I, it feels like the start of bungle yeah that dude is just a fucking man i mean one of the most underrated drummers of all time yeah i would agree with that um i would just say the you know entire band sans Patton is this insanely underrated to to be able to compose these insanely wacky things i think even if people don't like the music you do kind of this have to be like you you have a crazy brain to be able to do this stuff to to think of interrupting your song with this particular insane sound that you, you can't even fathom how they made that sound mm -hmm. and that happens 
countless times over the course of one song. It's it's just baffling how they wrote this stuff. And, and the the driving writers are Trevor Trevor Dunn and Trace Bruins. So like Trevor Dunn doesn't get any credit as a songwriter, and some of the fucking best songs are all him. Yeah, it's crazy. Like. What, easily one of the most underrated dudes of all time and trey obviously i'm wearing a secret chiefs three shirt right now i fucking love trey um uh and i love him as a guitar player he's a he was a bona fide shredder at 16 and then later on in secret chiefs you don't really hear him shredding you hear him playing you hear him playing guitar like eastern instruments you hear him playing it different like using these mm. weird techniques and i i saw them live and i saw him doing all this crazy stuff like I want to try that. And it's fucking so much harder than just shredding. Yeah. Like it's like really advanced stuff. He's like a really br brilliant musical mind. Uh, and then you, you throw in the patent in his, I mean, he's a psychopath. He's a complete vocal psychopath. In addition to being like a, a truly brilliant vocalist. It's, it's also crazy how he, he gets his due, but also he still feels underrated somehow. He's like the, the the superstar of the underworld or the uh, the underground music underground he's like the king of the underground but there's still so many people who don't know him and yeah. don't realize like you realize how fucking amazing this guy is like i uh i saw a weird comparison online um if anyone follows wrestling drama i'm not going to get into all the lore but someone was like cm punk is mike patton if he cared about being famous and that kind of help me like put things in perspective interesting yeah yeah pat doesn't seem to care about much he just does what he does yeah, yeah yeah that's why we love him so much probably but if that dude cared about being famous i think uh there'd be way more feuds probably because <laughs> i mean there's the notorious feud with with uh anthony kiedis of chili peppers mm -hmm. i've of course gone on record many times hating that band and this feud is only slightly the reason I, I hate Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> I, I kind of find him a little generally pretty off-putting, but his response to Bungle always making fun of them yeah. was so bitch and so like insecure. The way like he had them kicked off a tour because he's like, no, no, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like really you're that you're that threatened by Mr. Bungle. Like <laughs> they sound nothing like you guys. Yeah. You know that, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's and the jokes are pretty funny. Like a lot of mocking his heroin usage and uh drawing uh anthony's tattoo on their backs and stuff <laughs> and like it's just i don't know it was very silly and fun but that dude took it really seriously he took it really seriously for a guy who makes uh you know like chinese noises in one of his hit songs that's uh different time is a different time <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny for him to be that serious uh i suppose i yeah um All i around the world <laughs> <laughs> i imagine he, he's he'd be less uh uptight these days i mean young dudes um with that level of fame, I, yeah. I imagine there's a lot of ego and macho-ness involved. I, I highly doubt he's still that much of a, of a dick. I, I was a peppermint back in the day. Peppermint? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I don't love him now, but I don't. I know a lot of people love this love to trash him. Like, They're an easy band to trash, and I've trashed him plenty. I have been I have been shown songs. I'm like, that is a good song. I'm not going to deny mm -hmm. that. I'm not going to pretend I don't like that. Um, I think it's just generally like um, maybe they're they're essence it sounds like i'm i'm full of shit but i just don't, I just don't <laughs> care for the band i don't know what to fucking tell you uh, they're not they're not the worst band in the world but i just never i never liked them um but uh yeah so how do we get in this this thing so 
back to the, the, the origins, they had a lot of kind of in and out members even early on, but they've always had a lot of non rock. I mean, the first EP, sorry, first demo was fucking death metal thrash, mm-hmm. mostly more thrash than death metal. And then afterward they brought in, um, who did they bring in? Fucking Theo. Uh, uh, how do you pronounce that name? Lengiel? Leng- Lengiel. L-E-N-G-Y-E-L uh, on saxophone, clar- clarinet, um, keyboards. And that's like a, a recurring thing. The saxophone, the clarinets, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the brass. You got fucking uh, Luke Miller, who joined in 87 on tenor sax and trumpet. Uh, multiple, you had multiple uh, trumpet players. Scott Fritz was also from 87, although he he didn't stay very long. Uh, I think the first drummer was Jed Watts, who was there for two years. And apparently was a, was a guest in 2020. Um, during one of the performances that makes sense since that's all they're performing as of late yeah yeah it does make a lot of sense um so 89 we get danny heifetz on drums and i I guess trumpet as well which i didn't realize until right now and clinton Barr mckinnon longtime saxophonist clarinetist keyboard so he's like their guy um once everything is kind of settled 89 seems to be when everything settles there's uh there's something in the air lately about a killer saxophonist it feels like oh yeah i think (laughs) we've uh as a society and a culture have delegated saxophone to be this one shitty thing and now it's not shitty but it's it's either like super over the top sexy and ridiculous or jazzy or yeah, or there's people like the Communist coming, and they're just they're killing it. And Communist coming, I I put Black Country New Road in there where it's uh, oh, ha- yep, it has yep. this more uh, kind of a melancholy, romantic feel to it than it, than it I've ever heard from saxophone before. It's coming into its own this whole saxophone instrument or something. Uh, so first demo was the Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny, uh, which came out in 1986. And we'll be returning to that. If you if, have, if you know anything about Mr. Bungle at all, you know that they returned to that, uh, and they returned to that very recently. Uh, in 1988, they recorded uh, Bowel of Chile. I'm sure that means chili, just spelled funny. Um, 88 was that one. And then 1989 is when they put out God Damn It, I Love America, as well as OU818, which is a nice little play on the shitty, shitty, shitty Van Halen album. Oh, yeah. Which was Alex's worst Van Halen album. We can oh. check out that episode. Fuck that fucking sucked. <laughs> Why can't this be love still a banger? I'll stand by that song to the death, dude. I'll stand by that song to the death. <laughs> uh, so that, yeah, those demos kind of circulated. I don't remember which demo it was, but one of them was how Patton got the Faith and More gig. Yeah. So that's pretty fucking astounding. Like that Bungle is why he got Faith and More. And then Faith and More is why Bungle, why we have Bungle. Now mm-hmm. it's a nice little circle of things. Um, but in this episode, uh, we're skipping the demos because they are, I mean, they're, they're worth seeking out. They're interesting, but they are uh, demos. Yes. Um but we're going to be covering the four albums, the four main albums. First one came on 1991 and the most recent 2020 after they reunited when no one in the world expected them to reunite, at least not, not me. Okay. So the name Mr. Bungle um, was taken from like, uh, according to this, this um, press release from, from Warner brothers of their first album uh, was from, it's taken from an arcane grade school hygiene film, uh, which you'll hear a lot of snippets of on the first album. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I can't say for certain, but I feel like that's, possibly where my 
dad got the name from also that's possible it's possible because how many people how many how often do you come up with the name mr bungle that's too much of a fucking coincidence it does also this kind of sound like a generic kids character it, it's essentially what it is yeah if you if you when you listen to like the snippets like it's oh it's yeah it's total just a dumb word uh ridiculous video and oddly fitting of the band mm-hmm. <laughs> on god damn it i love america apparently mort and robbie boy play additional balls <laughs> whatever the fuck that means the ou 818 demo was apparently recorded and mixed by david bryson uh which tom t- s- notes here he says he's a founder a guitarist and vocalist for counting crows <laughs> and also a former student of joe satriani and was the owner of dancing dog studios where a lot of late 80s 90s bay area punk was recorded or so discog says uh what whoa a, what dude a crazy connection <laughs> weird super weird was not ready for that fuck no uh but yeah so now they uh now fast forward Patton is hit major success with Faith the More. Still a young man. He was like fucking 19 or something when, when the real thing came out. Um, and he gets him signed to Warner Brothers and they put out, oh boy. <laughs> I, I I can't imagine any single, there wasn't, wasn't a lot of albums like this at the time in general, but especially on a major label. No, I can't. No. Oh boy, we're 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 about to get into it. Let's if you're ready. I am ready. Let's fucking get into it. This is 1991's self-titled. And to think that it gets way more circusy than this on this album is already hilarious. A very evil, stabby. Yep. I fucking love this riff so much in this song. But it's so silly though. This album. I think has maybe my favorite version of Patton's voice. Really? Yeah, I love the way his voice sounds on the whole album. It's, it's not quite as nasally as the real thing, mm-hmm. but it's, it's like in the middle ground of it. It's mm. before Angel does. It's like this middle point. listening to the doors i know Th- that jazz break is so normal to me now at yeah. this point because i've heard it so many times but yeah that's like three like conflicting things thrown in this nightmare circus yep. music riff and yeah why would you sing that yeah, harmony over this and it's beautiful it's yeah. like a great vocal line and then, again, yet another completely detached section. And this is, honestly, this is light. This is, like, as digestible as it gets for this album yeah. and this band, kind of. Because it's like, the shifts are coming with, like, they'll give you a big riff to chew on a little bit, and then they'll throw in a crazy thing, and then they'll chew on that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Whereas later on, it, it, even on this album, it gets, like, it's fucking rapid fire. Yeah. 
Um, I think this is their best. You're out of your fucking mind. You're crazy. What? <laughs> Hold on. I didn't think we were going to fight this. Episode. I thought we were going to get exact same pick. No. What the fuck are you talking about? Explain yourself. This is a crazy casserole of things. And for me, <laughs> because we're going to go on a journey. Yeah, we have so much more. <laughs> we have so much more. <laughs> go on. Sorry. But this is just like, in my brain, the perfect blend of weirdness and songwriting and it is by far the zaniest thing they have to offer. It is the zaniest, but it is there's a there's a lot of reasons why I don't think this is best. In fact, this was I this was close to being worst. Damn. Like, and I I like this album, but it's, it I never there's a lot about this album that I have a problem with. One is how much fucking ska is on here. There's a lot. There's a it's almost a ska album. What are you? What's happening right now? <laughs> but in 1991. Or the 90s or, yeah. or 1990 when I'm assuming it was recorded. It's just so crazy. Like, yeah. I don't feel like ska and especially not new metal had like claws in the in the like popular culture. No, no. Um, and so th- this just like it blows my mind. There's even, you know, songs that sound like parody like red hot chili pepper stuff yeah, yeah. um <laughs> it's it's goofy Very. it's it's weird and i i just like the songwriting overall on this one more more than the other ones obviously there's there's something else i enjoy as well but um and and yeah, they to me they don't repeat themselves. I feel like we're gonna no, talk about four different bands, kind of. Hundred percent. That's one thing. So there is, I can even going going back to them in a row like this. I was able to to draw some lines between some, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it is four different bands. This one uh, has a distinct personality. It is the circus ska funky. We, goofy silly even the the album cover is so perfect it's a great album cover it's a yeah. fucking awesome album cover <laughs> um i was really surprised but i shouldn't be to find out a lot of people in new metal like this album oh yeah, yeah. um and that, it's, there's no hip-hop on it, it at all yeah there may be some there's some DJ fast scratches. I don't remember any DJ scratches, but I remember, all, I, all I could think of is, is Patton's vocals in Squeeze Me Macaroni. Yeah, but I'm just like, oh, well, that's new metal in a nutshell that they took all the wrong lessons from everything the, and then made yeah, new metal. That is exactly what new metal is. It's taking the wrong lessons and making music out of it. Yeah. To, to me, this is like, this is the band Wes Borland wants to be in. But he never could. That's true. Because I mean, look at look at him. I what, uh, when I saw Danny Elfman, I was surprised he was the guitar player. Oh yeah, so he definitely has the chops. Yeah, he definitely likes cool music. Definitely. And I think in a perfect world, he would be in a a bungle esque type band. Yeah. But the world said no, Wes. You need to enlighten us on the nookie. <laughs> we needed to know. And and. 
He he did something for us. We needed to know about it. Yes, we need we need music. We can break stuff too, Wes. We don't care about your weird avant garde. Yeah, or your your black fucking whites of your eyes, whatever. You <laughs> could keep the makeup. Yeah, just just bring the nookie. Just bring uh, just bring us the nookie, please. So my problem, um, I have I went back to this and felt basically the same about every album that mm-hmm. I, that I did for you know, the past 11, 12 years. Um, and how I feel about this album is I like every song except for dead goon, which I've always kind of, it drags on and it doesn't do a lot for me. It's 10 minutes and it doesn't do nearly enough for me, mm-hmm. but I like every song in here. What makes this a weaker experience overall is the experimental elements always felt very clumsy and am- amateurish. Interesting. So like, um, where uh, basically every song gets like abruptly interrupted mm-hmm. by like a bunch of noise, like dicking around, like, you know, kind of haphazard sounds and, and, and noise or goofy little sections or silly little samples. And it's like, uh, it's, I have no problem with that, with that choice, but the way it comes off feels like really like, uh, I don't know, almost like random and, uh, with without any kind of intention whereas later on they figure out how to make that feel like the song mm. how to make the noise and and random interruptions feel like oh this is all just the song they can re- they can replicate this if they want to this feels like eh, it would be funny if we threw this in there real quick and just interrupt the song entirely ruin the whole flow of the song kind of it it never it never ruins the flow for me i'm always surprised by I guess it's abrupt by nature. Yeah. But it always worked for me. I think it's a fun album start to finish. Um, but I do also enjoy funk music more than you do. So that is a big is a big one because there is a lot of funkiness funkiness on here. And I gen- generally like all of it because this one thing that Bungle has always been the fucking kings of and why they changed my life mm-hmm. is because of this band, I decided to give a chance to every genre because of Bungle. Yeah. They they showed me that stuff that I thought I would I would always hate, that they do it so fucking well. They do it so much better than everybody in those genres mm-hmm. that it made me think, well, maybe they're it's it's worth my attention. I listen to electronic music because of Bungle. Yeah. Like and, and that goes the same for, for ska. It goes the same for funk. It goes everything on here that I, I genuinely am not a fan of, I like how they do it every time. Yeah, I think that's also why I like it. It's like on its own, maybe I don't like some of these things, but this this package of video game music. There is a lot of video game sounds on here. And funk music. Yeah. And occasional metal elements and jazz. And a lot of jazz. It just sounds like a mess. Like It, it sh- is a mess, yeah. Yeah, and it shouldn't work or maybe in in some cases like mike it's too forced but i i was surprised i i picked this album as best as all because i think everyone listening to this is surprised you picked it as best dude <laughs> it's just sounds so good to my ears i do there is a lot of stuff that that is truly spectacular that that uh actually i did come up with something different this time around um i always used to hate uh the girls of porn i always thought it was like ridiculous over the top sleazy annoying oh no that song rules it fucking rules it sounds like marvel's capcom 2 music yeah it's it's been stuck in my head for the past three days also 
more satanic funk music. I don't know why that's not. Well, I do know why that's not a thing, but um, that's, yeah, <laughs> there's a band called Twin Temple and they do like satanic doo-wop, which is close, that's but not hilarious. the same. But s- satanic funk music is uh, there's this girl support and that's it. That's really the only song. And then you get shit like my ass is on fire, which is hilarious, but also like the heaviest thing on here and it kicks legitimate ass. But then it has this whole seventies detective funky section with these really ugly vocals. Uh, and I, yeah, I think that's the most versatile song in terms of like how many places it goes. It goes a lot of places. Um, stub a dub. Uh, might be my favorite song on the album. No, no, I can't say. It. I can't say. It. I like a lot of songs here, but it's one of them. Um, that one especially made me think of um, what's his name, Danny Elfman. And, uh, I mean, yeah, this kind of well, if it has happened, let me know in the comments. Like, how have Danny Elfman and Mike Patton not really worked together? There is certainly some overlap. In, oh, well, no, and like in just in the, the what they do. Oh, there is for sure, and I'm sure even musicians to a certain extent, but um I'm just like they kind of seem like one and the same. A little bit, yeah. Denelf is more definitely more of a composer. Patton mm-hmm. is more of a weird man, but there's a lot of like you see a lot of values uh similarities there. Um and Step Dub is like it's basically psycho carnival ska. I mean, and then then moments of circus Latin. I don't know what the fucking call most of this. A lot of it just has the word circus in front of it. And yeah, then yeah, the, some waltz. Yeah. Some waltzy elements in that one. Um, I guess while we're talking about Danny Elfman, I, I like egg. egg. I was just about I to like, go into egg. Yeah. Like when I was a young Ort hog, I, I loved Pee Wee Herman, and so... It sounds like Pee Wee Herman music. It is Pee Wee Herman music. Yeah, this whole album is Pee Wee Herman music. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's probably why I love it. Um, but it's it's Pee Wee Herman music, but then it's, it's psychedelic, and there's even some riffs where you're like, ooh, that's kind of like moody and dark and kind of similar to like Slint, even if it's for like a second. The egg, so egg is 10 and a half minutes. It's mm-hmm. the longest song here and it has a ton of ska on it, but it is, it's like so fucking good. There's a lot of, a lot of really fast kooky sections. Um, there are so many random changes. You can't, I mean, you can't count them. There's no. so many, but around halfway, then it turns into something completely different. And that's where I fall off. Yeah. And so it's the reason why this album has never been consistent for me is sections like that. Every song, not every song, but many of the songs have sections like that. Maybe not, five minutes like egg, mm-hmm. but that go on too long doing a thing that's really ugly and strange. And it feels like it feels like it just derails the momentum of the song. Um, even if it's not like some random noise thing, maybe it's just a full long section that I just don't like at all. This, this, the beauty of being in a uh, post swan mainlining swans world. Yes. And check out those episodes. said it before everything feels short to me now. Everything feels I'm short. Yeah. So glad we did that because it works for me. It doesn't drag. Uh, we went to see liturgy. Yeah. Didn't feel like forever. Didn't feel like forever. No, no. I was like, you guys, it's over. All right, dude. I was fucking, I took out my earplugs and I was just like fucking zoning out, dude. I was getting into it. They played the title track. <laughs> yes, they the, did. And I was just like, why is that not longer? Yeah. <laughs> it's like 13, 15 That is minutes. one hell of a fucking song. That was a great show. <laughs> anyway, Big Brave Fuck was great too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so those sections 
they work for me. There's a section in that song where he starts singing. There's nowhere. There's no place like home. home. Yeah. And it's, it's nightmare. It is strange. Yeah. It is it, very fucking strange. It all, it all works for me. He did, And there's a lot, of, a lot of good moments where he loses his mind on there. Um, and it's not so much that the song dragged on for me. Cause again, we have, we, we've done swans. <laughs> Nothing is long anymore. It's just that it's essentially a five minute song that I don't like mm-hmm. in the middle of like this 10 minute song that I, who is following the first five minutes, which I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I wanted like really, I want to dig into this to each yeah. of these albums. I, Cause I feel like we can move on, but there's so much more to say. Um, Squeeze Me Macaroni is one of their most famous songs for some reason. I don't know why that one. That's that's the one all the the simpleton. Well, I hesitate to even call them simpletons. Like if they like this album, but I, I feel like that's the track they. What what that song? It, what it is is um, it's like um, with Ween the song they're famous for, Push a Little Daisies. Okay, so that song was like their first hit, mm-hmm. and it's like that one. that one yeah like and that's how i feel about excuse me macaroni like that one i mean it's fine it's i don't hate the song but it's like it's so goofy it's ridiculous yeah um yeah it's like i said it could pass for an early chili pepper song yeah somewhat it does get deranged though it does um yeah it's a surprise the amount of people i dislike as musicians who like this album i'm like huh uh well i mean there's a, there's so much to to chew on even if i don't like a lot of it but, but with excuse me macaroni which is it's ridiculous and hilarious and then at like two minutes 15 it gets super fucky mm-hmm. which makes it way more hilarious because he's sexually singing squeeze me macaroni i was like funky or fucky or Fu- both both but both. it was very it was so sexual <laughs> yeah and it's it, it just doubles on like the absurdity of, of everything. Uh, Carousel is probably the best ska song ever written. Cause it's, hell mean, yeah, it is. Yeah. And they mix it with cast. Like if, if anyone's ever played the Castlevania games, like uh-huh. Castlevania video game music. Yeah. So fucking good. The, and again, on paper, those two things, most bands do not try to mix those things, especially at this point. No one, no one, uh, the, uh, two fifty uh, and it also closes the song with this section. It is it's full blown circus music. We've been saying circus music a lot, but I mean like legitimate no, like, circus, like the instruments that circus music is played with. On other podcasts, when we say circus music, it may remind us yeah. of it. It doesn't fully commit yeah. to it. No, this you can go to a carnival and hear and hear sections of this album, and you wouldn't bat an yeah. eye. But it's incredible. It's yeah. so good. It's one because, like, yeah, it's, it's really it, it's creepy in the context. Like, why is this circus music in the, in the middle of a ska song? But it's it's a brilliant, beautiful melody and beautiful progression. It's like really well done. I remember playing. Um, I don't remember if it was one or two, but the X Men Legends game, mm-hmm. and there's a, a a level where you fight the villain arcade and so it's very circusy and one of my sister's friends was watching and i was listening to this album and she thought the album was just 
part of the video game. Oh, really? Yeah. That's fucking cool. Yeah. That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Uh, also, a little fun fact, which uh, fans have already noticed, but quote unquote, it was originally titled Travolta. And you could hear him sing. Oh, I forgot Tra- about that. Yeah. They, they named it quote unquote, because that's the name of John, John Travolta's autobiography, because apparently they were going to get in trouble if they used his name as the song title, because they're not being very nice to him in the song. <laughs> there goes my idea for a... Uh, Mars Volta cover band where you distress like different John Travolta characters and call ourselves the Mars Travolta. That's pretty good. That's not bad at all. He has a lot of good iconic characters. Yeah. When you want Phenomenon, you know. Grease, Pulp Fiction. Michael. You can be Nicolas Cage and face off and throw people off. You can be Nicolas Cage and face off, but Michael, but John Travolta though. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. You could switch. Halfway through. <laughs> uh, Slowly Growing Deaf is like, uh, man, that's an interesting one. Because it has like this really, it starts out like, oh, we're, we're just happy, full on ska. We're just, and then it immediately goes into this really atmospheric, gentle, and kind of dark and ugly section. Uh, and then it goes like rocket, full on rockabilly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Again, it's like all the shifts on these songs feel very like, we're going to play this genre that you know. And we're going to play this genre that you know. And you're never going to see what's coming next. Yes. Whereas bef- later on, it becomes, we're going to do what you're never going to, you're not even going to recognize what we're going to do next. It becomes very, very crazy. This is still very tangible. Yes. um, Nothing to do with the music on that song, but I do like that the song ends with someone saying they're going to grab a cup of coffee and then they have to go. And then it's this poop noises. Cause. Oh yeah. And that's, Another thing about this album that I don't like, uh, not just because you're hearing shit noises at the end of a song, which is kind of off-putting and annoying. I want more. He wants more shit noises. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a, a lot of the, what I feel like they're trying to do, this is what it seems like they're trying to do, is have these kind of, you know, experimental transitions. Mm-hmm. And they go on for a long time. Mm. Like this this little, like, again, even the snippets of the original video where they got the name Mr. Bongo from those go on for a long time. Like the sex sounds, they go on for too long. There's like, there's so many things where it's like, if you're trying to like, uh, bridge the, the gap between songs with this crazy, weird, uh, kooky, funny stuff, you only need a couple seconds mm-hmm. where, and to kind of move things along. So it ends up, everything feels like a wrench. This whole album feels like just wrench after wrench thrown into the, the pacing momentum, uh, which is why I have trouble sitting through the whole thing. It's also a long album. It's their longest album. I, yeah, obviously I disagree. It's a, uh, it is a zany journey that I'm down for start to finish alex's best indeed and at this at this point in time like they they perform a stage with the masks and a lot of the clown get up mm-hmm. they they cover like a, a a medley of all the super mario songs hell yeah fucking the the main hell one yeah. the, the water theme the fucking like i went from like super mario rpg i'm probably making that up but something like like mm-hmm. wait where the hell they get that song from um so yeah they were a fun kooky crazy fucking band and this is kind of where Pat, I think, uh, and there's the the blue velvet movie quotes on here too. Are they on here? Yeah, the the Dennis Hopper character who puts on like a a breathing mask. Yeah, yeah. 
Baby wants to fuck. Baby wants to fuck. <laughs> I don't, what, what, where is that? It where that? Uh, I don't. I didn't catch that. I I noticed it, but I forgot to take notes, and then I saw the the oh. credits, and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot the blue velvet stuff. That's oh, probably, okay. Probably why I like it. That that helps. Um, Let's throw Rivers Edge quotes in here too, dude. <laughs> I'm watching that soon, dude. I'm watching that again soon. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I didn't fucking know this. Fucking John Zorn produced this? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that when I was listening to this more often, yeah. but uh, I looked it up. I was like, that makes sense. It also makes sense where why he got Secret Chiefs to make that album for him because this is I guess this is where he met Trey. Also, there is a turntable on here. I wasn't I wasn't crazy. There it is. Uh, played by uh, David Shea. Uh, I wonder where, because I believe really, I've heard this album so many times. Yeah, I, I probably just tuned it out. I've heard it so many times. I yeah, yeah. Um, but that, yeah, that's incredible. He also played alto sax on uh, what is it? Love is a fist, mm-hmm. which is very cool. So yeah, Alex's best and uh, a kooky fun album. My not my favorite, but, <laughs> and I am still baffled. But God bless him. God bless everybody. <laughs> I didn't I didn't go in I didn't go into this thinking thinking things are gonna play out the way they did. Neither did I. Yeah. Neither did I. But we have plenty more. We've spent a lot I'm I'm enjoying this. I love this fucking band. Uh but on to the next one. Uh there's there's quite a few gaps in between each album, uh because I'm imagining because of the whole Faith No More thing and that taking up a lot of Pat's time. Mm-hmm. And also, this is a very interesting band, and it's I can't imagine that so the first album sold that well yeah uh it's strange and it's kind of all coasting on his name mm-hmm. because as soon as you hear that album you're like oh i like mike Patton." you fucking don't like the album i guess for normal people also good on that dude for crafting his audience to what he wants instead of just pandering to dude i that's what i love about him yeah because now it's like Oh, if you like Mike Patton, of course you like weird stuff. Where before, maybe that wasn't the case. It's become kind of synonymous. Yeah. Uh, there were things early on that he did to really stick it to his audience. Because mm-hmm. he's always been a pretty antagonistic frontman. Not like to the level of Nick Cave in the, in the birthday party where he would like kick people in the face when he was high on LSD. But like the, the story from, um, maybe I told in the pod years ago at this point, a story that, that Buzz from the Melvins told where... I believe it was Mr. Bungle took Melvin's on tour with him. Mm-hmm. And I guess the audiences at the time were very shitty and they just wanted what they wanted. Um, I don't think it was, it may, it might've even been faith no more, but mm-hmm. like, I still don't think it was because of, I mean, bringing the Melvin's with them, but anyway, the other way around. Yeah. But anyway, but, but the point is, uh, the audiences were not kind to the Melvin's and, uh, I mean, like, like legit, like full on booing, being like just the worst. And Patton did not take kindly to that. So what he did was he took a turkey baster, uh, filled it with water, uh, sprayed it into his asshole, and then went to the front row and then shit sprayed all over the front row. And Buzz told the story, I think, on stage when he was doing his uh, his acoustic run, his solo yeah. acoustic run. Yeah. And Patton was in the audience for one of them. And he's like, I don't, I don't remember doing that. He's like, you definitely did. He's like, it sounds like something I would do though. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck man. (laughs) I forget what magazine it was. I wish I could remember it because it was, 
it was like a cool alternative to like these other bigger magazines and they covered more music I was into at the time. This is killing me. I can't remember it, but yeah. whatever. Um, and they, they did an interview with, with Mike Patton and it was, and it was like talking about how he's a bit of a dick and, um, cause I had no idea, you know, I'm getting into it like pass, yeah, pass yeah. all that. And, uh, it was so crazy that he like, he like offered to buy the guy like Laker tickets, not to bribe him, but this, cause he thought it'd be cool to do like an interview at a Laker game. Fuck. That's hilarious. Yeah. And it's like, well, I, I can't accept, but thankfully the magazine had budget could go to a laker game with mike pad holy that's so fucking wild yeah and he this i he's probably chilled out a lot yeah i imagine yeah. i imagine because we I mean, we'll probably dive into it more on the faith and more episode but he like i think he has like no feeling in one of his arms because mm-hmm. he broke there was some incident or antic he did on stage with faith and more where he broke a bottle and it sliced up his arm oh, and shit. it was like really bad and the doctor said like You'll gain feeling back, but you're never gonna use that arm again. And the opposite happened. Oh, so shit. he got his hands though. I mean, fucking wild man. Uh, but yeah, on to the next one. Uh, so this is '95, four years later. Finally, a follow up. Um, this is same year, I think, as um, King for a Day. Um, was it King for a Day Loser for a Lifetime? What the yeah. fuck is it called? Is that what it's called? It's close enough. Full for a lifetime. What I think, loser. Uh, um, yeah, same year. So, yeah, this is 1995's Disco Volante. Crank it one more. On this soul? Yeah. So they didn't do sludge on the last album. No. But this, they're opening it with opening it with sludge. Also, this is one of my favorite album covers easily maybe my top favorite album cover ever it's mysterious and you can like look at it and try to figure out what's going on but not really yep it's just a a woman holding a dead anglerfish in front of her eye it's just super fucking cool looking i love the like choice and colors i think i bought it up on the laws episode that it was kind of similar oh yeah 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 (laughs) definitely so this is just pure fucking chaos, but it, I love these fucking muffled screams. They're sadistic. Where's, where's the notes? You know, <laughs> there's no notes. It's just pure heaviness. This is insane. It doesn't get any more easy than that. The, the main riff does return, but uh, best personal favorite. I mean, by fucking the world, by the world. Like, this is not only one of my favorite albums of all time. This, I think, is one of the best albums ever made and the single greatest experimental album ever made. I think this is true genius, beginning to end. No one, No one hate me. You're out of your fucking mind. Whatever you're going to say, you're out of your fucking mind. I like this album. But what worse? You're 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 simply incorrect. You're simply wrong. Everything about you is wrong right now. <laughs> I have in my, this entire podcast, I've never hated you more than this moment. <laughs> never. Beefheart, 
Forget about it. Forget about it. Fine. Be for fine. The laws. Fine. I'm fine. This moment, I hate Alex, <laughs> and I think everyone watching hates you too. I think I think I, I can safely say that I can't be alone. I there's, think you're alone. This it's true genius. It's true genius. Beginning to fucking end. It's state it's, your case before I tear into you and it's go so hard funny for someone who traditionally doesn't like dicking around on albums. Yep. There's so much. I can it. back up everything you're going to say. And like, this is really, to me, feels very like free form. And I think it's cool for what it is. But, you know, I would, I would listen to this over something else, obviously, but, um, keep going. I'm, yeah. ready, I'm ready to tear it all down. Keep going. Yeah. It, it's just, it's a, it's a collage of sounds, which I enjoy, but I can't like, I can't recommend it to too many people and I can't like throw it on over other things. So that's how I came to the conclusion. So not only is this not worse, but the reasons you're giving worst are fundamentally incorrect about what this album actually is. I think from a, from a, a creation writing standpoint, mm -hmm. it's not a collage and it's not freeform. Everything here is insanely deliberate. It's these songs are written that way. Yeah. That's what makes it fucking brilliant. So it's, it's then in that case, it's, it's the same. It's the same reason I don't, I don't love beef heart. So where, so here's the thing with, with it's impressive. So here's the thing with beef heart. Um, yeah, before yeah, for sure is impressive. Trap mask replica. Obviously, we're talking about trap mask replica. Trap mask replica. But the thing about that is, it's literally four dudes playing four different songs. Mm -hmm. This is, it's like a the symbi symbiosis on this album is incredible. It's them all coming together with the so it's the moments that line up. There were there were there was a lot of them on trap mask replica it's weird how we're talking about this album with that one i don't uh, think that's weird uh but they do the reason why i think it's weird is because the the moments where they lined up on that album were pretty like sparse mm -hmm. most of it was pretty herky-jerky and, and like it's i love it but it's very d difficult the moments where they line up on here is so frequent there are full songs where everyone is just together doing a crazy thing that that blossoms into this uh, very tangible song, even though it mm -hmm. has a lot of interruptions and a lot of crazy noises and experimentation, it all feels like part part of the song. Like one example, um, in a uh, uh, violenza domestica, which is fucking incredible. Um, I can't separate the sounds of the knife sharpening from the song. Like mm. those sounds are a part of the song for me. Yeah. And, and again, it's just experiment, experimental, you know, soundscapes thrown in there. Uh, but that's not even taking into account the actual songwriting, which is, I think, truly impeccable. So the opening track, everyone I went to high school with is dead, which is a hilarious title. It's pure sludge. It's chaos. It's setting you up for noise and madness. It's kind of an outlier. It, we don't really get that heavy. We don't ever in this the rest of this album the following track is chemical marriage which is more circus latin and it's it's the spacey vocalizing but it's jazzy and it's really intricate and it's tight as shit it's mm -hmm. super musical so for listeners who haven't heard this just put on chemical marriage remember what we just heard the fucking madness that we just heard and this is the follow-up i will oh you meant you meant me i thought you i thought you meant like listeners oh no 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 I would right now. I would like to walk into an elevator one day 
and instead of like the normal music, there's this. So we just sat through insane sludge. Now, <laughs> it's just, all right, it's like the kookiness of the first album. Yeah. But deeper, darker, more musical, and this, way more mature. Yeah. Especially this following section right here. Like, these guys are not fucking around. Uh, when I, I first heard this, I was truly blown away that it, that it took a, a shift that hard. I think all they do is fuck around. But, but they are good fuck, in a good way. Fucking around, but the I when I um because when I first heard this, it was pretty overwhelming, of course. But mm-hmm. um, I couldn't help but latch onto how musical it is. It's mm-hmm. so musical. So you get that, um, and it has moments where it gets all crazy and uh, big giant organs, and it, it just gets very fantastical. But it's still very uh easy to grab onto moments of it sound like uh like the fucking batman theme mm-hmm. the, the danny elfman batman theme uh and then you get the following track carry stress in the jaw which is this really twisted hideous jazz um with a lot of like clicks and really crazy drum work i do love i do love the drums on that incredible drums and then it goes into fucking straight up death metal but uh, what sold me at the at the, when I was nineteen, what made this so important for me, is because I was I was pretty knee deep in my thrash death metal phase, mm-hmm. and I'm hearing all this crazy this crazy shit, and then they go into the death metal section, and it's as tight as um, I don't want to say catchy because death metal is not really catchy, mm-hmm. but it's like it scratched every same itch but more than every death metal band I was listening to at the time. I was like, they're doing death metal better than all the bands that I fucking love right now in this phase of mine. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a recurring theme for the whole album. Every time they dabble in, in a genre, they do it better than everyone in that genre. I think I may, I may have that part time stamped. Go um, for it. Cause the vocals really, if it's not the part Mike's talking about the, the vocals really stood out to me. That's a good vocal part. It's like legit death metal. Yeah. But it's still way more uh, like sadistic and fucked up because death metal is fucked up, but it still has the, the, the essence of metal in it. This has something else, mm-hmm. a really twisted other element. And then, um, which I want to talk a little bit about how the secret song comes into play because on streaming and CD, it's not secret. It comes directly. It's in the same track as mm-hmm. Stress, in the, Stress in the Jaw. Uh, but on vinyl, it was a very painstaking process that we'll talk about in a second. But that song, the secret song, is a hilarious. I mean, it's a spy song with like surf elements, 4-4, um, but insanely catchy, insanely catchy, but with moments that are... I can't even explain how uh, or compare it to something because you could say it's it's like a James Bond kind of spy thing, but just darker and fucking just more cool. Are you talking about Mary Go Bye Bye? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the, the secret song in Carrie Stress in the Jaw. Oh, it's, it's all part okay. of the same track yeah, now, but sorry. it was um, it's basically two songs in one. Okay. Uh, the second half or okay. um, yeah, it has like the whole spy sounding stuff. Uh, very, very four, four. And, and then 
on that song, Trevor is doing these old man vocals. And that's a part of the lore and the story behind it because they recorded the song without him. Mm-hmm. It was, um, I think, would at least Dunn believes to be uh, Mike Patton on on bass, uh, Bar on drums, and Danny on keyboards. Of course, um, still Trey on guitar. And they recorded it when Trey oh, when Trevor was out, like maybe doing a gig or something. Mm-hmm. And he, they were gonna like hide it from him completely. And then he found one of the tapes lying around, and he's like, "What the fuck is this?" So behind their back, he went and recorded those vocals over it. <laughs> uh, and then I think Mike, uh, the, the quote here from Trevor, he says, um, I found out about it weeks later when I came across the tape lying around in the control room. Mike wasn't around that day, so I recorded the vocals without him knowing. Later, he found out about my vocals, but he and I decided not to tell anyone else that he knew. When the record came out, Mike pretended to be totally pissed that I added vocals. I forget, I forget what happened next. That's literally what he said. Yeah. Um, which is hilarious that they're fucking pranking each other in the middle of recording the album. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a super fucking cool song. Uh, moments of that song. I, I, I can't compare to anything else that still give me uh, chills when I hear it now. Um, I'm not going to stop, baby. I'm on a roll. I'm, I'm going to keep going. Keep going. This is literally one of my top five favorite albums of all time. I didn't even know that. Oh, yes. Desert Search for Techno Allah is the reason I listen to electronic music. That is the reason. Uh True genius. It's murder techno. It's murder Middle Eastern techno. Uh, and yeah, of course, I love I love that song. Um, sometimes it sounds like it could be on an early Mortal Kombat game. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, it gets spacey. It gets very spacey, and it brings in all these um, Eastern, you know, percussion. And you think it's going in this other direction, and then it brings it right back to the f- super evil, dark techno stuff. Mm-hmm. And what makes it so much more impactful is that. When the vocals first come in, it's just uh, keyboard and drums, mm-hmm. but the drums are, are isolated in, in one channel. And then, then they come in with both channels and then um, I think maybe bass or something comes in and it just, it just gets fuller and fuller as the song goes on. And the, yeah, the mixing of it is really smart. Like it, it really makes it feel like things are coming in and out. So when it hits hard, it hits way harder. I need to go back and listen to that with headphones. On. It's, it's really interesting with headphones. Um, Brilliant fucking song. And again, no song. I could say that about any song here. No song in their catalog sounds like that one. They've never fucked with that kind of electronic ever again. Mm -hmm. It's just an anomaly. And again, why I love all these songs so much more because I love the album. I love the album. I'll listen to the album for the rest of my life, but you can find old footage of them playing these songs live and it's to a T like that's how calculated and written these songs are. It's, yeah. It's not just them fucking around and free flowing and uh, kind of collaging things together. It's like they actually can perform these songs as crazy as they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Violenza Domestica, which I referenced earlier is so gorgeous. It's basically tango, but like dark, disturbing tango, which Again, I've never heard that anywhere else. Now I love Tango because of this shit. Like, what the fuck? Uh, and then uh, Patton is singing full-on Italian in that song. It feels very authentic, but just, just so disturbing. That song feels like um, when you like fall asleep watching or you have a movie on in the background. It's like you close your eyes and it sounds like you're missing part of a movie. Yeah. But it's uh, it's just a song. Yeah. It And a lot of those soundscapes are pretty interesting again like i was saying a lot of the the knife scraping um the accordions on there which i i don't know if they're real accordions or just keys but they sound like it, it really takes you to this place like all the 
the the genres that they, they tap into here. Like on the first album was like rockabilly, mm-hmm. funk, ska. Here it's like Italian, random Italian shit that sounds like it's from an old movie. Like it's stuff that's very specific, but stuff that you're not ever going to expect, and stuff that maybe you you can kind of gloss over as oh that's just something that would be in an old movie. You don't mm-hmm. appreciate it, and here they're forcing you to appreciate it. I never would have appreciated fucking tango. Mike Patton doing ASMR yeah. in the nineties. Yes. Doing that a lot on that yeah. song. <laughs> yeah. Right up in you. Right up in there. Uh after school special, which I imagine you do not like, if I had to it's guess. Pretty f- it's pretty funny. Um but yeah, the album, yeah, kind of lost, started losing me around. Oh, you're crazy. It only gets better, baby. So after school special is like the, the first stab at like regular alt rock. Yeah. And even then it still feels like really off and it has these creepy organs. Um, I don't know who's singing that. It, it might be Trevor singing. I don't know. Um, but it's like, I remember, I remember when I first heard that thinking like I, those, those riffs are just so good that I would normally not find this that interesting, but it's just so such good progressions that I like it. This is still good. And then this fucking Latin riff comes in, gives me fucking chills. <laughs> it's so good. It's so well-written and beautiful. And it comes in out of nowhere. And again, it's this weirdly Latin sounding thing in the middle of this kind of alt rock song. And it fits. It doesn't feel like, like you're, Oh, we're going to, we're going to trick you. We're going to do this crazy thing. It all feels like it's part of this thing. That's very intentional. Um, the what you were saying about the first album is how I feel about more the back half of this album where it feels like we're going to shoehorn as many things as possible. I know it's not shoehorned, but to my ears, some of the songs uh, later on more so, but uh, I still have more to gush about like phlegmatics, which again, shouldn't work. And a lot of it is so ugly it's just high speed with these really, really ugly vocal lines. Just kind of. I think that's my least favorite song. It's it's not mine. And the reason it's not, I can see why it would be. But what I love about it is the moments where um, that dirty bass comes in mm-hmm. and just. Dun, 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 and it slows down and it, it turns into this really plodding, really dark um, sort of a. Uh, I don't know. It sounds like it's pulled straight from a horror movie. The, the Basically the moments where it's not the song mm-hmm. are so good that it makes me love the song. <laughs> That's like the experimentation is, is I feel is completely masterful. And I've been waiting this whole episode to talk about this next song. Mamishka mouse squaz. <laughs> mouse squaz is Danny Elfman on bath salts. It's yeah. Fucking brilliant. It's truly brilliant where i could put that on for anyone they'll be like i don't know what this is but i'm entertained nickelodeon shows would never they would never do but they might why would nickelodeon show i I thought like is that what you thought of i thought of like that era of like i use the shit out of red and stimpy music so i'm gonna stop but you know that era of like ren and stimpy right. and rocco's and ah real monsters so i think someone i think someone could slip this in like one of those tv i shows. think it's way more sadistic than that just because like it's, it revolves around the uh, saxophones well, the, well there's so many like all the majority of the there's so many like bits you could this there's a lot of bits out. but what I, what i always felt about these songs were they're always so uh they each had so much personality that f- that felt 
like contained within each song mm-hmm. where like, I feel like on the first album, you could take a lot of those sections and put them on different tracks. Like, well, it's just a funk section. You could also, this, this song also has a funk section. You can mm-hmm. kind of swap them out. These ones are very specific to each track. Like you can't swap any of these out. They feel very a part of the song. Um, so like that song, Mamishka starts out with these, you know, really eerie organs. And then, then it kind of comes in with the Danny Alpin stuff with the bongos and with the, I mean, if you've heard a Danny Elfman bass line, mm-hmm. that's here. That's the Danny Elfman bass line. Uh, and then these these saxophones come in and they're so, so spastic and paranoid. Uh, and it's very fast and it's very schizophrenic sounding. And then you hear these guitar lines. This is where I fell in love with Trace Bruins, like that mm-hmm. song. That song. You hear him doing these crazy little... It just sounds ridiculous. It sounds like... Um, like the Simpsons theme. Like when you yeah. hear like the little weird fast parts of the Simpsons theme, mm-hmm. it's like that, but you hear him playing it on guitar and it's so strange and kooky, but it doesn't feel silly. It feels, it's weird and it's, it's, it's a uh, very clowny in a way, but it doesn't feel like silly or, or, or fun. It feels just like kind of fucking crazy. It feels legitimately crazy. <laughs> and that's what I love about this album. The whole thing is nuts. Uh, what I'm talking so much because I mean, you gave it worse and I have to get, I have to give my argument, baby. I'm speaking for the people here. <laughs> I'm trying to, so I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm talking so much. It's gotta be one, one person. It's gotta be, uh, the one area where I do think, uh, misses is the bends. That do, one is. Yeah. That's I, the most dicking around. It's dicking around, but it, it has a concept behind it. Um, it's 10 and a half minutes and it's made up of 10 short songs. Uh, they each have their own title and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's supposed to simulate like the, you know, the feeling of getting the bends. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be about someone who got the fucking head stuff. So it's some sort of minimal jazz experience that turns some into of a, a sci-fi thing. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of jazz. There's one, I think it's aqua swing, which is like full on swing jazz. Um, not all of it lands, but the stuff that lands, I think is really good. Uh, nerve damage is very fucking creepy. Uh, screen bends is just an abduction music, which is like, it's more silly than anything, but it goes on for like literally 40 seconds. Um, panic and blue is chilling. Super stalkery. I love that one. Um, love on the event horizon, I think is, is the best, the best part of the whole track. Uh, it's legitimately beautiful and it's still very creepy. The whole thing is very low fi. Um, Sounds like it's underwater mm-hmm. very intentionally, intentionally. So, uh, and re-entry, the very final part of it in the final minute, 40 seconds, it's horrifying. It's white noise that just builds and builds and builds. And it's, it's painful and terrifying. Uh, and it, it builds up to just giant white noise and then cuts immediately into backstroking or backstroke in. I love backstroking. That's so kind of feel like an extension of the bends. Because it, it, well, it feels like it's like, all right, we're back. It's still lo-fi and it still mm-hmm. has like this very old um, loungy jazz feel to it. But uh, it's, it's it's back to being a song. It's very mm-hmm. short, but it's still very musical. And uh, the, the, the section at a minute and five, because it's a very short track, um, it has, it sounds like a like 50s or 60s elevator music or mm-hmm. something. Very, very old sounding. Uh, and the reason I love the song is because the outro um, <clears throat> at, a you know, two minutes, five, it's like it lasts seconds. It's a very short outro. It is one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. I think about that and I just, and you, it, while this 
amazingly gorgeous 20 second long section is happening you hear him talking about jerking off like, yeah like into the mic like it's like it's ridiculous it's ridiculous but it's like it's also beautiful it's just it's just fucking nuts it's so nuts r.i.p tim buckley like licking stretch marks <sighs> he, he's missed he's missed every day check out that episode mm. uh much needed sex funk revival <laughs> uh there's only two songs left. We had to go track by track. Uh, none of these, this is none of this is working for Alex, but it is working for me so hard. Platypus works for me. Platypus works for you, really? That one actually works for you. I mean, that I one's just, fucking. That one's crazy too. It's just nice to have some like some heaviness. Um, yeah. After you know the bends, um, it's not. Yeah, it's not that it doesn't. How do I say this? I like it. I just, hmm, like it's my third favorite Mr. Bungle album. <laughs> there are four. There are four Mr. Bungle albums. It should be number one and above. <laughs> Platypus is like the mo- one of the more death metal sounding songs. It has a lot of that in it. Um, Until you get some clear. Uh, what's that instrument called? Is it a clarinet? It, it does a lot. Yeah, yeah that. There is so much crazy yeah. shit on that song. Uh, there's meatwad vocals. <laughs> Hell yeah! It's so goofy. That's probably why I like it. This that song. It's one of my lesser favorite songs on here because it feels so much more of. All right, we're gonna fucking do a million things. You're never gonna see what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Whereas, while they do a lot of crazy stuff on each of the other songs, they all have like a. They all feel very intentional. They all have like a um, an overall thing that fits with it. Uh, this one feels a lot more random. Platypus feels a lot more random. It just happens to have a lot of death metal in it. Um, but it's still a very crazy song. It's one of the... It has like a lot of Zappa sounding stuff on there too. Um, the closer, Merry Go Bye Bye, is a fucking perfect closer. I adore it. The It starts out with like 50s rockabilly. I don't know. Is that what you would call that? I don't know exactly. Yeah, it's kind of... It's kind of like bungle doing the beach boys in a way and, uh, yeah it's pretty great it's very great i love it but until it's not then it launches into you know pure metal and noise pure death metal and even the noise is musical somehow yeah. so it, it launches right into death metal i mean full-on growls from Patton, and it rules and then i it goes through a lot of like the it's kind of like platypus where it goes like, you know, we're going to throw a bunch of crazy shit at you. But some of the sounds are fucking wild. Like the, the whole section with the bombardment of laser sounds. Mm. Uh, I think it comes in around 220. Actually, I'm going to ask you to put that on because I can't explain it. It's, <laughs> it's I've never heard anything come close to that in music and I fucking love it. It's so sadistic. What the fuck is this? It's genius! How do you write that? How do you write that? And that is guitar, guitar, right? That riff? Yeah. It's guitar and bass. Yeah. It's both guitar and bass. They they actually wrote that fucking line. Yeah. I recognize what the bass... But yeah, that guitar... Oh, you mean the the laser sounds? Yeah. I don't know what that. Honestly, I don't know. That could be a synth with a, a sound. Okay. I'm sure. I'm assuming it's samples. Um, but like that little riff, like I don't know how you write something like that. Like it just seems so 
um, otherworldly, like mm-hmm. for that to come into someone's brain. It's that's what I mean when I think experimental. I don't necessarily mean a bunch of like dicking around and crazy sounds. I mean being able to to come up with a thing that is just purely different. Mm-hmm. And 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 it, again, it's it's not musical, but they made it musical. Um, and then it closes with um, a really super ethereal, majestic arrangement of the opening. It's a lot more um, uh, almost like rock ballady. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, then it slowly dies down in a very gentle, gentle way. And I think it's, I think it's absolutely fucking perfect. Um, there is a hidden track, which is, could be skipped. It's just uh, like a, a rehearsal with dicking around. Uh, although there's one moment in there where someone is screaming fuck shit over and over again. And it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. Uh, but that is my track by track dissection of what I feel is one of the best albums ever made. The, as far as experimental album go, experimental albums go, I don't see how it could possibly be topped. Like I've, I've been craving something to top this. Yeah. I guess I wasn't thinking of it in terms of experimental music and, I feel like I don't really have a dog in that fight, so I do, I normally don't. But mm-hmm. when they hit this many genres and make me interested in that genre, it's like a it's a beautiful, profound thing in in, in music. When you think you don't like electronic music, and then someone's like, "How about this?" Like, I guess I was wrong, mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck Mamushka Mouse Squaz is that shit. Like, oh, I I can't explain why I love this, but it. It's unlike anything I've heard before. Uh, and again, how you, how you would write a melody that complicated and, and kooky. And it's not like it's complicated, like proggy complicated. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. It, 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 the whole thing is just fucking weird. And it's it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's a perfect album. God damn it. It's a perfect album. And it's Alex's worst. It's Alex's worst. Please. I can't be crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm, there's no way I'm crazy. Do I just like bad music? Do I just have bad taste? Is that, what, I, is that what's happening? I don't think I don't think it's awful, but, you know, I have to give something worse. It's easy what you give worse to. It's so easy. It's what not you, easy. It's simple what you give worse to. It's not. Well, I thought it would be, but. In listening to all four albums, I was like, mm-hmm. all right. I I implore people in the comments, what is, you know what worst is. If it, if I'm wrong, I, I like to, I would like to think that like, you know what? I actually don't like this one. And then, you know what? People like this one. I think it's a good album. But I, I don't see it. I would like more of that. But I yeah. feel like the obvious answer, <laughs> there's an obvious worst here. <laughs> and there's an obvious best here. <laughs> Oh, that's fucking pod. A fucking bonkers band. So it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why we do the fucking pod, though. Uh, yeah, it, it, why we do the pod is for episodes like this to have these disagreements. That is why we do it. And yeah, like I said, I like the band. I've listened to this album a lot, and it's just well between the four, I'll give it that one. Hmm. Uh, so this is some of the backstory uh, or at least like the little bit of the recording process Trevor said he lived in a dog patch in dog patch in San Francisco uh, at this time he says my girlfriend lived in Florida so we had a lot of time to sit around and write rock songs quote unquote which he, he cited phlegmatics as a rock song <laughs> it's based on a 12 tone row uh, yeah that is one abrasive fucking non-musical song but uh, he also says uh that tr- he says Trey was listening to his own collection of weird stuff as well. Exotica, electroacoustic, noise, Middle Eastern, techno. I remember him going to raves a lot back then, which is 
That's hilarious. Imagining Trace Bruins at a rave. I mean, look at the guy. Uh, He says, Mike was really into Joe Meek, the Peter Thomas soundtrack to uh, Rumpetrue. Fuck, how do you say that? Fuck, man. I I assume the back half is pronounced like Raditz. Tui, like the two. Yeah, Rampatrui. Rampatrui. That sounds right. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll go with that one. Um, Kago and the Tangos of uh, Troilo. I don't know what the fuck any of this is. That's, ex- I mean, it, it makes perfect sense why this album sounds that way because I don't know what the fuck they were listening Listen to. to. random shit. They're listening to random ass shit. Uh, he says he would show up between tours to work with us and add his beautifully lo-fi input, i.e. the bands. So yeah, this, I guess this is uh, written and recorded in between Faith and More tours. Um, he says, with all this weirdness, I realized it was time to revamp Platypus. Uh, Danny, Trey, and I spent hours de- hours deconstructing and literally imploding the original arrangement to the point of superimposing the quote-unquote verse with the chorus. I think that's still my proudest lyrical input. And Barr finally stopped referring to Bungo as you guys and started writing for the band. <laughs> finally, <laughs> I bet there's a lot of shame being associated with this band. So according to Tom, he says the Vinyl Guide um, podcast has several great interviews with Mr. Bungle related people, um, which is well worth checking out for any fans of the band. He says in the second part of, the, of an interview with Trace Bruins, there's a great story about making the original vinyl of Disco Volante. And this is why this album is fucking nutty and will never be made again. Um, it's purely like a, hey, that'll be cool. Let's try that. And it's became an entirely lengthy and arduous, ridiculous process. According to Trey, he did a seven inch with Fax Ted. Um, with a parallel groove of a song where there, were, there was a voice you'd only hear on the times you put the needle down in a certain way so it played the alternate groove. Faxhead was a side project. There's a strong chance that uh, comedian Greg Turkington or Neil Hamburger was the singer for Faxhead. Oh, sure. Um, Trey was in that. They wore giant stupid masks and kooky band, interesting band, joke band pretty much. Um, but uh, going on, he says, as Trey explains, this is easier to do on a seven inch as there's more space on the vinyl to cut the grooves on an album. This would be much harder. The band asked Bernie Grunman, who's a mastering engineer of fucking thriller, uh, who <laughs> apparently mastered uh, the bungle record in his studio, uh, which is insane. Insane. I mean, the Warner Brothers connection is pretty profound. That's Get wild. That WB money. Oh, yeah. Uh, he says whether... um. Yeah, they asked Bernie uh, whether it would be possible to cut the track into the grooves of the vinyl. He agreed, but according to, to Trey, uh, he took it as a personal challenge and spent uh, possibly a couple days on the task. He says it will never be done again. Holy That's how hard fuck. it was. That's how fucking hard it was. Yeah, holy shit. Uh, so our boy Tom, he says, uh, who has a copy of the original pressing of the vinyl? This guy. So he sent us a photo of it. He says, note the track times for each song and how especially long carry stress in the, in the jaw seems to last for. It's shorter than the next track, but on the vinyl, it takes up double the space. How about that? Uh, right there, you can see it. I'll put a, pux- a picture on the video for you guys to see. It's fucking huge. And he says, uh, I can confirm that if you drop the needle at the right point, you catch the secret song after which the album just carries on as normal, but it's bypassed. If you play the album from the start, it is legitimately a secret song. Yeah. And it was kept a secret from Trevor too. Also, I mean, such wild, weird, crazy dudes. They're fucking mentally ill. They're fucking nuts. That's in that's fucking nuts. So this album was trashed. It was put on many like worst albums uh, of the year or worst albums ever made list. It was completely misunderstood even in this room at this very moment. <laughs> I hold on. I wouldn't put it on like a list. No, unless it was the best albums of all time list. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm so excited to see what people say about this. I'm excited because I have no idea. I I thought I knew, but now yeah. I don't know. I I don't fuck. I don't know. I just I'm just out here trying to trying to live my life one day one day at a time one day at a time baby but we have two more left and i we will they will not be as long this had to be super lengthy because of my passion and Mm -hmm. the controversy and it's exciting but we are going to move on it's finally time to move on yet another big break another four-year break at this point i believe the band is kind of uh deteriorating a little bit and if I'm not mistaken or I'm not misremembering, I think Patton is the one trying to keep everybody together. Here. Mm-hmm. Like he really wants Bungle to live, which is funny because he's the one who's busy with making money and <laughs> being successful. I think that makes sense. He has the the financial security. He, he does. Be like, let's keep doing this. I guess. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but this, so I, I, if I, I'm also not mistaken, he did most of the writing on this album, whereas... That makes sense. He did very little actual writing on, on the previous two. But anyway, this is 1999's California. <laughs> Definitely not Sludge. No. This is uh, just... Tropical easy listening, baby. California, baby. Oh, yeah. Come visit our beaches. Please. Or stay the fuck away. Or just stay, yeah, or just fucking die. And now Bungle is a completely different band once again. So fucking cool. I've always been a fan of uh, Patton doing things like this or Love Edge. Even uh, his solo shit. Yeah. Really Italian stuff. Mondo King or whatever. It's so gentle. It's just so easy. But there is a lot of changes here. So many changes. There is. Um, yeah, we're like infomercial yeah. music now. Yeah. And yeah. then... Hawaiian. Full-on Hawaiian tropical. Yeah. But I want to get to this next section before I lower it. Because it shows a nice little hint of the darkness that's still within the band. It's not the way it was, but this... Still some some ugliness there, but it's fucking lovely. Fuck it, we'll get to the chorus. And <laughs> it's a great song. Just gonna listen to the whole thing. All right, okay, fucking beautiful, beautiful song. What a fucking shift. Personal favorite. Okay, well, this is a great, great album. It yeah. is a great album. It has moments that I don't like that I never warmed up to. 
Uh-huh. And it has a lot of like the, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But it's a very different feeling thing than anything they've done. Absolutely. Completely different band once again. Absolutely. I mean, the, the highs here are pretty fucking phenomenal. They are. Uh, I, um, yeah, it's just, it's totally different. It's almost not even... It's the same band, but it's almost not fair to compare these albums to it each kind, other. Yeah, there's because honestly, with I do I did see a through line between the the debut and Disco Volante, and this you can see yeah a little bit because like you there's like song moments and then there's crazy moments and they're kind of blended together. You see how it can be one to the next. This is not no. This is a very very different thing. Uh, retro Vertigo. Beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful and sad songs I've ever heard. I don't even know what it's about. I'm going to keep it that way. Those lyrics, a lot of lyrics on this are very uh, hard to dissect or really yeah. unusual, kind of uh, conceptual, probably. Retro Vertigo is it's absolutely gorgeous. It still has like a lot of ugliness and darkness in there. Where it's oh, like for sure. Really bitter and unsettling. And then it fucking culminates in this really really moving stuff as it goes on i know doing concept albums or even songs about california is really like played out and boring but you will never hear a a band do an album about california the way this is um you're talking about like some of that darkness um none of them knew they were robots killer it's crazy because it's like rockabilly swing music but at some point there's this paranoia to it and it's so weird i'm not even comparing it to music where it's more similar to a good noir movie where the deeper and deeper the character gets into the Um, shit the more the more fucked they are that's interesting it's like these specifically on that song and i guess the album it's like these layers get pulled back where like where you know it's sunny california and then it's it's chinatown baby it does that song absolutely does feel like that because when it returns to previous sections they always return more fucked up than than the first time Mm -hmm. like that song especially um and yeah a lot of those really chilling quiet because I mean, the use of dynamics on this album is like it's up and down. It's like they'll go real quiet, real gentle on a dime. Um, but yeah, it's like sci-fi rockabilly swing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's just so fuck again. Like I'm not a huge rockabilly guy, but when they do it, it fucking it's, it really works. It's really well written. Uh, and not to mention that's on that song. I am in love with that guitar tone. Like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a huge snob when it comes to tone, mm-hmm. but there's certain certain guitar tones are like fuck, man. It's just it's a perfect surf tone. It's a perfect surf tone, um, which is also funny because I remember hearing, or I think I was might have been uh, listening to an interview with Trey many years ago, where he said at this time period he didn't even have his own guitar. He would just borrow other people's guitars, and like he's this fucking virtuoso dude, and he doesn't even have his own guitar. That's like, kind of amazing and sad at the same time, like this album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of there's a lot of dark moments on this album. Um, Air conditioned nightmare kicks so much ass. It's like, yeah, doo wop sci fi rockabilly. I don't, I don't know what the fuck that is. More surf rock, more pop music, more Beach Boys. Yeah, it gets heavy though. Um, yep, like heavy metal, which isn't. There's not too much on this album, but no, not much. Uh, on that song, yeah, that that chorus where it goes really surf with the 
with the floor toms. Mm-hmm. Um, truly gorgeous. And and then it goes it get, it gets tropical as it as it goes on. Um, it's just so it's like all these pieces you could show to someone and be like, oh, this is really nice. It sounds like the stuff mm-hmm. that I remember from like, or maybe like a, a short to a boomer. Like, oh, it sounds like I remember this kind of music, but it's always just tweaked and fucked up mm-hmm. to where like you can't show them that. Yeah. Because it has legitimately accessible, beautiful moments, but there's so much craziness. It's so ugly around it. Um, It's a cake within a pile of shit, kind of, I <laughs> lo- like in the best way. I love ours. Um, oh, Moriandi? This venturing back to some of that middle eastern music mm-hmm. um it's the first song that's wacky and they haven't been wacky in a while it arguably the last album was pretty dark yeah yeah so ours ours Marindy is like um a really fun sillier version of uh desert search for techno a lot mm-hmm. where it's it's heavily middle eastern influence arguably way more in middle eastern but um, instead of it being like super techno, it's more dancey or like, instead of it being like brutal electronic murdery synths, it's more dancey techno. It's, it's yeah. It's tapped into that surf music and psychedelia stuff. And also vocally, whereas, um, on desert search, uh, Patton is doing this really industrial, a uh, spoken word kind of thing mm-hmm. here. He's doing fucking hoo! doing the full whales like going going ham with it like it's it's very campy but it's it's also it's also a very fucking cool song like some of the parts where they go is uh high speed they're using all kinds of eastern instruments and it sounds immaculate Mm -hmm. it's so well done um i think pink cigarettes is crazy because a cigarette yeah um it's this blending of that italian pop music Patton seems to be enamored with yeah but to anyone who's ever been to Palm Springs, it kind of captures what Palm Springs is yeah. where there's this, these things that don't belong in the desert, like golf courses. You're right. Yeah. And celebrity. hundred percent. But yeah, they, this, kind of like recorded a new form of desert music I didn't know existed where I have all my like cliche songs that make me think of the desert. Caius? You know, the stoner metal, um, maybe some some bands from Africa that dabble in psychedelia that I'm not going to try to do off the top of my head right now, but they're there. Um, And then, yeah, I'm just like, this is the most Palm Springs fucking song I've ever heard. That is a, exactly how it is. I couldn't, I was, I've never been able to verbalize that song. Yeah. Cause it's like, it feels like California. It yeah. It feels just palm trees. I don't know how to, how to explain it. Yeah. And it does it perfectly. Yeah. This album actually is a perfect representation of what it feels like in what you imagine California to be, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Cause it, it's, I, I'm imagining, I, I think that's like their most famous song, Pink Cigarette. Is it really? I think so. It's got to be. I mean, I've heard it. I've seen more people reference it because it's the most, it's their most accessible song ever. I I had no idea. Uh, that's the song you could literally show anybody. Mm-hmm. There's nothing crazy about it. Everything about it is beautiful from beginning to end. Um, it's, there's, there's not a hint of abrasion in it, which is really interesting because it has like this easy listening oldies vibe and plenty of things on here do that, but they fucking have some weird unsettling twist to it. Not mm-hmm. that one. That one's like just a straight, beautiful California song. Golem too. Please explain that one to me. 
I that is crazy to me because that is just scary carnival music, and then it goes into a funk song, and it like successfully bounces back and forth between the two. I that's a that song is a miss for me. Yeah, I've never been it. I it never grew on me. It's so goofy and strange. It's like to the point of like children's music, but not in a creepy way. In like a silly, goofy, funky way. Yeah. I, you know, I thought it was creepy. The, no, I will give you that the the opening and some of the moments with the weird vocals, mm-hmm. they are creepy. But when like the funky stuff comes in, it's just funny. It's just funny. Yeah. I don't know what kind of part of California that reminds Maybe Maybe somewhere in Northern California, which I've been to, but I'm not as familiar. I was as, just in Northern California. And I'll tell you that song does not remind me of it. <laughs> Maybe maybe that's uh, you know some fucked up place like Riverside. <laughs> maybe, maybe Riverside is fucked up. Uh, that's a man, what? What a fuck! Again, a song you can't show to anybody and you can't explain it. Yeah, uh, the Holy Filament is another. You know what that song reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, like a way spacier and more gentle phlegmatics. It kind of is, yeah. It's it's very surreal and dreamy, but still with that that layer of of grit on it. It's very dark. It's very moody, um, and a, a lot more unsettling than um than phlegmatics is. Uh, where that one kind of has some some dirt to it, and it's a lot of a lot heavier. This one is a uh, is way more just like, I mean, it's I think it's probably the creepiest song here. Mm-hmm. Uh. Now, what I was saying the whole time about this album, about like you recognize this as, as something, but it's kind of fucked up. Yeah, Vanity Fair is the perfect is the perfect example of that. I what I think of it reminds me of like a, a, an AR an AI art version of doo wop, where you you yeah it's, it's doo wop, but I it's wrong and I can't explain why it's wrong. It just seems wrong. Yeah, I were well, I didn't write doo wop. I was. But yeah, doo-wop is correct. Um, yeah, any of those like 60s songs like Down by the Boardwalk yeah. uh, It's yeah, it's like that, but it's off. Yeah, <laughs> it's off in a way that I, I can't really it's like maybe it's one note, but it doesn't sound like the note's wrong. It just no. seems like it's just off. Yeah, that's just the beauty of this this band. Exactly. You can't pinpoint where it's fucked up. You, it's just you just feel it's it. It's there. But also, that song does go to some pretty dark places mm-hmm. in between the duet moments. Uh, but again, it fits in. It all fits in with the, the vibe of the song. Um, Goodbye Sober Day is what I always considered to be the pitch song for Mr. Bungle. If you like, if you can handle this song, if you like this song, you will like the band. I didn't listen to this album in a while. Um, and that one kind of took me by surprise, but yeah. Um, I think it's a great closer. There's like chanting parts with electronic noises. There's metal parts with like gibberish or scatting singing the the, how much i love this song is hard to quantify yeah because like it opens up with this um kind of like latin dance music thing Mm -hmm. but then it goes into what i didn't think existed brutal dark tropical (laughs) and it's so cool yeah like you never thought that you you would hear tropical and be like oh this fucking kicks ass Mm -hmm. and it it found a way to do that it's beautiful uh and then 
when it takes the it has, a, I mean, the chorus part of that section is just so well written. It feels um, really intricate. Uh, I can't, I can't compare it to anything because again, mm-hmm. it's just so fucking weird. But when it takes that shift into like the the Middle Eastern vocalizing or like you know chanting mm-hmm. kind of stuff, it's like, oh, this is getting really psychedelic and weird. Uh, and then it, it takes a hard left turn into the metal part. But the psych, the psycho vocals that he's doing, was it's the coolest fucking thing it is it's you have to be you have to be severely disturbed to think to do that (laughs) to a microphone and the fact that it comes out so cool and then it gets fucking giant and chunky and then the chanting comes back in the the background my memory is a little hazy um and so i hope i'm right i think it was that same interview that i was talking about earlier or maybe i read somewhere online that like when Faith No More would go out and party, Patton would just be in his stay in his hotel room with like a tape recorder and see how he could push his vocals or what kind of like noise can I can I make yeah. as a human, which is funny because Apparently he's the guy you go to when you need zombie noises. He literally is. He did voices in Left for Dead. He did voices. I am Legend. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um He also did the main voice of Spencer in Bionic Commando, the, re- the remake of Bionic, <laughs> which is like a straight normal voice. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. weird. Uh one of those uh she I don't know her name, I apologize, but one of those like normal people react to videos and she was watching Oh, is it the, the dark haired British woman? Yeah. I she's Maybe she's British, I forget. Yeah, yeah. She's delightful and she's like he's he she's like he's so fearless and she she's like vocalist if you're like do do the the like type of singing he's doing on on the closing track, they're embarrassed. They, yeah. they don't want to go there. And he's fucking doing it. He goes there a lot. He yeah. he swims in that river, man. He fucking <laughs> and not just here, but like, I mean, this is like the, the inception of it, because he's very straightforward in Faith the More, like very straightforward. Uh for, for the most part. Uh and then here he's just it's like his dark side, like I need to let loose and be weird. And he man, he gets weird. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it's literally one of my favorite vocal performances ever because it's not singing. It's just fucking madness. Uh, and it's also, Goodbye Super Day is also the only song on this album that feels like it could fit in with Disco Volante, mm. um, where it has that, it all feels like one song, but it's just uh, very spastic and dark, very dark and very brutal, uh, where most things on here are not brutal, mm-hmm. um, at least not in like, you know, heaviness. Or it it, like it is kind of an outlier, but... Yeah, yeah, but it's still it still has the tropical inness to it. You know, it mm-hmm. still fits in, in, in a, in a weird way. Um, so on this album, we no longer have Theo. He is no longer, um, according to the band, they say artistic differences. Um, that's usually the, we've heard that term a lot. How funny would it be to break up with a girl and be like, I'm sorry. It's this artistic differences, dude, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'd go well, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm interested in see how see how it would go. Or like you're in the middle of it, and when you're like giving your reasons, you just like slip artistic differences in there. And Jesus <laughs> Christ, see, that'd be pretty good. See if they even notice. I feel like as artists, we're going two separate directions. <laughs> uh, so according to the 
Oh, is it bungle fever? Um, it says a tour supporting California will begin in San Francisco, San Francisco, California on July 13th. Um, this is of course at the, you know, from May, 1999, um, Three European festival appearances uh, were were booked as well. However, Bungle was dropped at the specific request of Red Hot Chili Peppers frontman Anthony Kiedis. Uh, apparently, Kiedis has fallen off the wagon yet again. That's a, <laughs> that's a nice little backhanded comment. Uh, Maybe he was he was mad because they were they were getting ready to drop uh, Abracadabra Californication. Oh, oh yeah, I think that was the same year. Was it the same year, California occasion? I think it was. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because that was one of the Kiedis' problems. Like, you, he's copying my style. And Patton, like, imagine Patton copying anybody's style. It's like, all right, cool. I mean, Bungle is... I mean... Bungle. If it's anyone, it's these old, like, doo-wops. <laughs> to be fair, you know what? I'm wrong. He copies a lot of old Italian men. <laughs> old Italian men, old black men. Yeah. But uh, not Anthony Kiedis. No, but it's also just a completely different kind of band. Like, yeah, the names of the albums are similar, but listen to the albums. This is psycho music. This doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I think doing a non-PC version of what Chinese people sound like on your singles pretty crazy. I think that's... <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that's funny. <laughs> Actually, I don't even remember what it is, but... You don't I, remember I'm sure it was in All Around the World when he just like... No, but I... That's, that's pretty funny. You're going to put it on? I'm going to put it on. <laughs> yeah, Californication came out the same year, so I'm sure there was... Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Hold on, sorry. That's the opening. Let me get to the. I'll just call it gibberish part because. Let me know. <laughs> sorry, you know how Apple Music has like the, you can look at the, the lyrics. lyrics? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hold on, that's Hold on, he does it again. He does it again. That's pretty, that's, that's pretty funny. That's pretty good. I, that's I forgot way, about that. That's way more insane to me than anything Mike Patton's done. I'm on board. I like, I'm a fan of the Chili Peppers now. That's, <laughs> I take it all back. <laughs> now, now when he does it, he tries to make like DJ noises live. Oh, uh, dude. Like if, DJ scratching. You know, I'm like, that's not what you were doing, dude. Dude, embrace your dark roots. Man. You already did it. Do it like how it is on the album. That's fucking hilarious. I didn't realize that. That's so funny. Anyways. That's so funny. I'm not going to knock him for that. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> also, they they took a, a bass line from this obscure heavy metal band, uh, Budgie. Oh. Budgie. Uh, I'll show is, you Is that after. who did Bread Fan? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Anyways. Uh, but yeah, this would be the, the, the fucking end of Bungle for many, many years. Uh, and really no one ever kind of second guessed that actually, you know, before we move on, this is more of this, they're insane fucking influences. Uh, this is, this is from the same uh, statement from 99. Apparently this is not member specific, Mm -hmm. but apparently the, the musical influences at this time period, death metal, Romanian gypsy checks out surf checks out rockabilly checks out disco film. Mm Mm-hmm. Hits from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. I don't hear the 80s, but good for you. Herbie Hancock's Sextant. Fucking rules. Peter Maxwell Davies' Eight Songs for a Mad King. 
I'm going to look that up. Voodoo drums. That's not a genre of music. Psychedelic Brazilian bands. Pretty cool. And various keyboard instruments. There we go. And uh, it, it caps it off with Mr. Bungle is easily bored and likes to eat well. So please direct them to the best food in your town. Now that is a strange and fun group of guys. It sounds like. I'm for it. Hell yeah. That's the only way you can write this fucked up music is if you're listening to voodoo drums. That's they're lying to me. They made that one. I don't think they did. I think they found voodoo drums, dude. No, it probably is. <laughs> it probably is the thing. But yeah, they, they broke up. Uh, and of course, Trey went on to, to I think he, he had already formed Secret Chiefs 3 a little bit earlier. Um, he had Trevor play on the first two albums, I think. And even Danny, I think Danny Heifetz was on the first couple albums of Secret Chiefs, but he leaned into that band and made it a very crazy thing. Trevor went on to do a bunch of shit. He had his own trio. Um, uh, he's like a jazz guy. Does a lot of crazy. I mean, he's just a busy dude. He's like truly underrated with like, you know, the, the whole uh, grand scheme of bass players, but he was a, a busy guy. He was sought after and he, he was, he stayed busy, which is, Good, very good, very good. I, I hope he's doing well. He's a very talented man. And of course, Patton went on to be Mike Patton and do all the shit. Because um, Faith and More broke up around the same period, I believe. Appeared on a Bjork album. That's not surprising. He also... Uh, uh, like a whole... Not like one song. Like a wait, whole... Really? Which one? The one where it's this acapella. Ah, he was also on the uh, Dillinger EP. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Good EP? I fucking... Was it Lovage? I'm trying to think. It doesn't matter. But there was a there was a group with him and Rozel because they they met during the Bjork thing. Mm -hmm. And I regret not going to see that group. Ah shit. Uh, shit. Yeah, he did so many so many things in the meantime. Because I saw clips and I'm like, that looks so fucking cool. Yeah. I don't think they uh, not long after he had, when he formed Tomahawk with Dwayne Dennison of Jesus Lizard check out that, that episode uh, along with um, Kevin uh, Ramanis of Melvin's check out those episodes uh, along with the drummer of Helmet whose name I forgot and we haven't covered Helmet yet but but I have talked about the Helmet drummer yes you have at length yes you have yeah uh, that's one hell of a super group um, great lineup uh, yeah there's, there's too many things to keep track of with, with Patton during this time but uh, in 2020, they like, oh, well, we're, uh, or actually before was, it was before 2020, it was 2019 when they're like, oh, well, we are reuniting, mm -hmm. uh, and we are reuniting with Scott Ian and Dave Lombardo for some fucking reason. Yeah. Well, I guess there's a reason. Well, there is a reason, but, uh, it's just no one in the world would have saw that turn coming. No, it's no. just insane. You, you leave off, you leave us with California, this really fucking weird retro psycho piece. And then, all right, we're thrash metal and we're going to bring in two thrash legends. Yeah. We want to see the weird stuff though. Everyone wants to see the weird stuff, but I was so, I, it was fun. It was a fun tour. It's great. Yes. But, uh, I, I was so grateful that they did something so fucking bizarre and mm -hmm. no one could have saw it coming. And we might as well jump into it now instead of talking. This is a very long episode. Shocker. Uh, but this is 2020's The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny demo. I'm going to skip 
the opening track. No, do not sing. No. Are you kidding? It's the best fucking song on the album. It's cool, but whatever. I'm going to play a little bit, and then I'm going to play fine, fine, the fine. second one. I'm tired of everyone skipping that fucking song. No. They've been skipping it for years. This is fucking rad and a total outlier from the rest of the album. Complete outlier. But it's how it was on the, on the original demo as well. Yes, but I like what Trevor said about it. What did he say? Or he's like, yeah, we, we wanted this this intro song, <laughs> but it's too it's too long yeah. to be an intro. Trey wrote it and went nuts, as you can hear. It's beautiful. It's super dark and Dracula sounding, but it's fucking gorgeous. It's it's great. It, it's it's their maggot brain to, on the album. Which is that? Uh, a funkadelic. Um, they have the song "Maggot Brain" that opens up the album. Oh, it's okay. very like somber and morose and sad, and then it, like, the gotcha. rest of the album comes. In. Yeah, it sounds nothing like it. I imagine. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you that song because I think it's a guitar player. Right now. I like it. Okay, okay, okay. So, he wasn't kidding about this being too long because it does come in fucking hard. I, for, for podcasts, just snip it and a traditional intro. It is too long. I love it though. I wouldn't change a thing I about would, it. Yeah, I would always, I always consider this a full song yeah. more, than an, more than an intro, but it's just a long intro. But to give people uh, a taste of what yeah. the album it, is more It does like. get louder, I swear to God. It gets yeah. big and heavy, but yes. I'm gonna... Here we go. The best production we've ever had. You are a bold and courageous person. Uh, afraid of nothing. I there you go. Real Perlman. Real Perlman. Yeah. It's a dilapidated old mansion. Some say the place is haunted, but you don't believe in such myths. One dark and stormy night, a light appears in the topmost window in a tower of the old house. You decide to investigate, and you never return. Full thrash. Yeah, straight up Slayer thrash. Fucking, it works, man. Especially if you like thrash, I yeah. fuck, I love this shit. Not quite sweet charity. No. <laughs> Gang vocals, very anthraxy. Yeah. Watch, I guess, if you're gonna bring in Scotty and yep. do what he does best. Yep. Alright, well, we get the idea here, and we already know how we feel. Least favorite. Worst, least favorite. Now, I think it's a fine thrash album, but compared to the what Bungle is and the insanity and the greatness, mm-hmm. this is just a thrash album, which I would be fine with. If it weren't a fucking hour long, it's pretty long. It's like it, it does wear on you. Yes. It loses its legs towards the end. Yep. Um, I think if this was shorter, it'd 
go down easier. Um, and then before we started recording, I feel like I'm having this epiphany where, cause I like loved Metallica and Slayer. I thought I love slash music, but you mean thrash or sorry. What did I slash is a Sla- uh, oh, Mr. Guns Sla- and Roses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> thrash. Um, but after like DRI and this one, I'm like, maybe I don't thrash isn't for everyone. I was so fucking into thrash when I was a teenager that I was like, how could anybody not like thrash? How could you like metal, but not thrash? That's yeah. how fucking obsessed with that I was. Uh, but you know, now I can acknowledge like a lot of it's very samey. And it, on this album, it gets samey as shit very mm-hmm. quickly. It's it feels really good. The production is, of course, immaculate, and the performances are really great. Scott and Dave are, uh, you know, full on vets, so they, they invented the genre. They obviously sound great, um, and everybody's great. But riff wise, it comes and goes because there's no. There's very little dynamics here. Mm-hmm. It's all just straightforward thrash. There's no ebbs and flows. It's just crushing riff after crushing riff, rift after crushing riff uh, for the full hour. There's the only bit of uh, dynamics we get is in the opener, Grizzly Adams, the, mm-hmm. the intro thing, the instrumental thing that they apparently have never played live. I, I don't know if they if they started to on the last tour. Yeah. But up until this thing came out, they never played it live, mm-hmm. um, even during you know this whole uh, reunion. Uh, which I was always bummed out by because I fucking love it. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, yeah. Just- also, also, I think outside of Grizzly Adams, a lot of the highlights are kind of in the middle of the album. Like I like hypocrite and covering SOD. I think that's fun. Yeah, hypocrites um, and hypocrite slash habla espanol o, o muere, which is just speak English or die. But, uh, replacing English with Spanish. Yeah. Check out our SOD episode. It's yep. a fucking flawless first album. Uh, and of course, Scott Eden was on that album. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that they're covered here. I love that song. I like their cover of it. It's very fun. And even like the, the, the first t- chunk of it, I mean, first of all, hold on. They interrupt, they, they separate the two tracks by playing La Cucaracha. Yes. I mean, hold on. <laughs> yeah. That's the kookiness that we, we like from Bungle, but yes. it is literally the only moment in the whole album where it does something like that. Yeah. That's the only moment of levity. And then you get these like epic songs, bungle grind. Yeah. Um, I love the guitar playing on bundle. Ah, it's a yeah, bungle, bungle. bungle grind. Yeah. Silly words. Um, I love the guitar playing on that. That's like the standout mm-hmm. for me. Um, yeah. I wish methodemics. Yeah. Oh, mathematics. Mathematics. Yeah. I wish that wasn't right after because it's really long too. Yes. Um, but I think there is merit and unique cool shit about that. And then after that, it just. You're all, yeah. A racist was one of the singles. I never liked it. Yeah. Um, it just. It, it really loses its legs. Even like I read the concept for spreading the thighs of death. Good song title. Great song title. Great concept for a metal song too. What's the concept? Uh, this like a nerdy kid gets bullied and learns the occult to get back. Like, that's pretty fast. Pretty cool. It's funny. Yeah, that's cool. But I'm I'm just so I'm so tired. And by the time gluttony for punishment comes, or glutton for punishment. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's really like the legs are just cut out from under it. But I totally get. Hey, we had these 
demos that don't sound great and we want to revisit this and what just record it all get it all out of your system put it on one album yeah and my favorite thing about this album is what so the, yeah, they went back to the very first demo and re-record all, all of it with this crazy production in in lineup. But my favorite thing about it is that they kept the word demo in the official title, it, even though it's a full fledged album. I was so confused. Yeah, it's, <laughs> initially, I love that choice. It's so fucking stupid and funny. It really is. Uh, I, there's songs in here that I really like. Um, it's, I mean, the first half really has me because mm-hmm. I love thrash. I love the choices that they make on here, and I'm not fatigued yet so like ripping your mind fucking rules i absolutely love that song it is great i think that was one of those yeah oh, it's one of the yeah, it was yeah. the other single uh there might have been a video for it too i don't know why i said video that way uh and then bungle grind i do like it uh the solos on there as well as everywhere they're fucking amazing mm-hmm. like you forget that trey is a fucking amazing guitar like he he shreds like the best of them he's yeah he just doesn't do it yeah. he does all these fucking middle eastern sounding songs he does <laughs> other shit uh Truly brilliant guy, but with mathematics, um, it's the longest song. It's eight minutes, 46 seconds, and it's a little hard to follow. There's a lot of kind of iffy riffs there. The The best thing about that song, in my opinion, is the chorus, which is, sorry, not the chorus, is this one section that kind of recurs, and it's just the chorus to Love as a Fist from the first mm, album. I so, didn't even notice that. Yeah. It's the same exact riff. Um, it's it's obviously where Love as a Fist came from. It came from mm-hmm. that song. Uh, so it's like it's a super duper long song uh, that does a lot of things I don't care for and my favorite thing about it is from a different song of theirs uh, so that's an obvious like miss for me uh, Spread in the Thighs of Death I, I felt this on I heard this more than two times but for this particular two times of listening to the album um, on the first time I was like this is probably a cool song on its own I'm done by, the, by this point in the album I'm already mm-hmm. tired and then I went back to it and it's like this is definitely a song i like i'm still tired by this by this point <laughs> in the album but i can still appreciate it as a good song i still i can acknowledge it it is a good song um lost for words is a coc cover i did not know that yep i and that's from the first album i believe if i'm not mistaken i think i think it's from the first album i'm gonna double check just to see because um i was a big fan of the first album when i was a teenager and no it's from animosity i was wrong it's the opening track on animosity also, Animosity is shorter than a lot of Swan songs. <laughs> Animosity by uh, Corrosion of Conformity is 26 minutes. It is, uh, it's a crossover album, Thrash crossover. Great fucking album. You might not like it. I actually own it. You own it? I own it. Oh, I was wrong. Yeah. That. You do like some Thrash. I do. I do like some of it. I, I may just be very selective. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The first two COC albums I'm a big fan of, but they don't sound like later COC, that's for sure. No, they, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's, the original was great. This version is, you know, just a straight cover. It's cool. Um, I like the song, so I like it. I can't say it's like that necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Sudden Death, I think is one of the, actually one of the best songs here, but it's just so much by the end of it. Yeah. It's hard to appreciate because it is meaner and snappier than most of the songs in the album. It's, it's really well done. I can't believe this thing is 56 minutes. I can't believe it's that long. It feels longer. And here we are saying that we don't, we don't feel length anymore because of swans, but when it's, when it's the same thing over and over again, it it's is. the same, same song. It's kind of the same song. over and over. Yeah. Again. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I've just, 
dabbled in the weirdness for too long and then this is like uh sure sure this is fine but uh i know i know you guys got yeah we 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 just listened to the craziest music ever made and then the album with practically zero diversity mm-hmm. it went from having too much diversity on every album to having none it's a it's a crazy it, this is a clear worst it's a cool thrash album but in the scope of mr bungle i ops absolutely the worst mm-hmm. um it's not just volante it's not the worst one god damn it <laughs> that's why i gave this least favorite because i still rather listen to <laughs> yeah but it doesn't matter <laughs> anyway <laughs> I can't call it bad. I can't call it a bad album, but um, I don't feel like the need to go back to it very often. Um, I th- although Same. I do feel the need to see them again, and I missed them on this tour. I was out of the fucking country. I would go see them again if they were like we're playing. They were. Oh, they, they play- were. They played stuff from the first album. I don't know because a friend of mine. She's like she she's she asked me if I was going. I was like I physically can't. Yeah. I said like. Um, let me know what they play because I'm curious or something. And she sent me clips, and one of them was uh, "Asses on Fire." Or maybe it was Love as a Fist. One of the two. Well, fuck. Maybe I just need to pay better attention. Uh, yeah. But I do want to see stuff. Even. How about this? Even if they were this performing Disco Volante in its entirety and nothing else, I would still go to that. I'd stab my mother if they were just playing Disco Volante. <laughs> I would absolutely do. Uh, so. I, I, to be fair, I feel like you would do that for a lot. I less. would not. She's a <laughs> lovely woman. I would never. How dare you? <laughs> don't Especially in case sh- she sees this. I don't know. I won't stab you. I'm not going to stab you. You can trust me. You can totally trust me. Uh, on the gen- on the genesis of the Bungle reunion, uh, mm-hmm. um, Mike Patton uh, says, it's not really easy, easy to pinpoint, but I would say that for a while, Trevor and me and Trey had been close again. We'd always joke like, hey, if we did a reunion, what would we do? And most bands, you know what they you know what they do. They put they put together the classic lineup and play the fucking hits. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have any hits. <laughs> so for us, it was very easy. I think it was Trevor's idea. He was, he was like, why don't we play the metal stuff with Lombardo? And I was like, fuck. Like, I could hear it when he said it. Uh, but there was no plan. It was just an idea. And sometimes ideas grow roots. And then all of a sudden, you got a fucking tree in your fucking house. Like, oh, shit. What do I do with this? Man, he cusses a lot. <laughs> he cusses like a teenager. Yeah. Uh, so Dave was into it. I sent him the demo, or maybe Trevor did. I can't remember. And of course, that demo, I don't even have the cassette, so we had to send him a fucking YouTube link. (laughs) (laughs) After he listened to it, he said, I can't really tell what the drums are doing. Uh, I'm like, that's why we want to re-record this. We want to do it right so you can actually hear stuff. Uh, The way we recorded that thing, the first thing we ever recorded, basically, it was on a little four track, and Trey did a great job, but it still sounds like it's coming out of a vacuum cleaner. And then I remember thinking, okay, we got something, man. And listening back, a demo is pretty much a guitar record. It's really about guitars. Uh, and so one thought came that came to my mind was like, Trey, would you mind? But I think we need another guitar player to handle this to handle this shit when you're when you're soloing and whatnot. And he goes, Yeah, fucking great idea. But they're all just fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, fuck fuck yeah, dude. It's fucking shit, dude. Fuck yeah. That's how dudes talk. That's how dudes talk. That's how we talk. It is how we talk. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, Who? And we had a couple ideas, but Scott was one of the ones that made the most sense from a musical standpoint. He and Dave were the dudes who influenced this music in the fucking first place. Like it wouldn't have happened without them. Scott was so fucking funny. Uh, I hit him up and I'm like, Hey man, you want to play guitar in this next bungle thing? I don't think he understood. I think he thought, Hey, do you want to come to a, to a show? And I'm like, no, 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 no. 
do you want to be in the band? And he'll even tell you that he was freaked out. Like I was like, why us? We always consider ourselves a small town band. And this record is a testament to that. But we went literally to the well here and got the greatest guys that we thought would realize the music. And we're fucking lucky to have them. It is pretty surreal seeing Bungle on stage with Scotty Ian and Dale Lombardo. Yeah. If you're going to record a thrash album, do it. Get those two. Get the men. Get the men who invented it. Uh, as of uh, the recording of this, there's still some dates left for their fall 2023 tour um, in Baltimore, uh, Philly, New York, Boston, uh, Montreal, Toronto, and Detroit. Um, all, all of them in September. And uh, yep, they did LA already, so they're not coming back to LA, and that's okay. I guess I'll just die again alone and not sing Bungle, even though well, I did see them the first time. But next year, next year, if if they decide to keep doing this, you ne- you really never fucking know. You never know. You no. have no idea. That's why I feel like an urgency to see live music. Absolutely. You, yeah. You, you can always just, not just because of COVID, where it was literally taken from us on a whim. Oh, even before that. Even before that. Yeah. With bands like this, where you, you, maybe they just decide, yeah, we're bored of this. We're done. Mm-hmm. Or s- sometimes people die. And that's true. That's true. Damn. Yeah. Or sometimes Slipknot hardly has any original members left. But that's a different story. That is a different story. Uh, But we made it to the end. Holy shit. Thank you so much for listening and watching. This has been uh, a long time coming. Wasn't expecting the fights on this one, but I'm so glad they happened. God damn. When you think you have it pegged, you never have it pegged. No. Never have it pegged. No. Uh, Let's do a little recap. Uh, for me, best self-titled, uh, worst disco volante, but fucking listen to it. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I feel the conflict in your soul. I don't know what I'm fucking doing here. (laughs) Personal favorite, California, and then least favorite, Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny demo. That's not why we're here. I'm glad they got it out of their system. I'm glad it's re-recorded for people who like that shit. It's also good, but that's not why I'm here. If they did a second thrash album, it would be the funniest thing in the world, but we would not be pleased as fans, I suppose. Also, it's just like, I feel like Dead Cross really. It's another great Mike Pat. Is Labardo's in there as well? I think. Is he, is he, I believe he's a drummer for Dead Cross. Yeah. yeah. It's just like with that last Dead Cross album, like that, great. they really like found their voice on that album. Yes. So. Killer album. It's on our year end list for both of our lists. Go check that episode out. Um, yeah, for me, uh, best personal favorite, Disco Volante. I've gushed uh, plenty and enough, but you must hear it. If you're open to weird music, you have to hear it. It's just unlike anything else. And then, Worst you favorite, Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny demo. You know, we've, we've said it all. It's just thrash. Thrash is cool, but it's just thrash. Ah. So thank you so much for listening and watching. Please leave some comments. Leave your picks for best and worst. Please let us know what you thought about all the picks. Am I nuts? Is Alex nuts? Let us know, please. Uh, subscribe if you want to hang out with us longer. Um, you know, talk some shit. Do all that. Please, for the love of God, join our Patreon. Patreon.com slash every album ever where we got some bonus episodes. You get to see our schedule in advance. Uh, we need to discuss polls as soon as we're done recording this because mm-hmm. we need to put up some more polls so you get to decide who we cover next by voting on those um you get to join our discord and be a part of our community where we it's also where we pick out our eae singles episodes 
So if you a new album is coming out this year and you want us to talk about it, throw it in there. And if you're tier two, if you're bigger than Jesus, then you can suggest a full ass discography, a full numbered episode. It's the only way we'll do these episodes because they're long and they take forever. This is four albums and it's a two fucking hour long episode. It t- we we take our time. Okay, we take our time. Uh, so go there if you want to do that, please. And thank you. Please be sure to follow our history guy, Tom Osmond at Tom Osmond Sounds on all social media. Uh, TomOsmondSounds.com for all his music related stuff. He's got albums out. His most recent being existent, non a collaboration with existent, non-existent called industrial state of mine. Check that out in the description and my EP pattern monkey. That's an inscription as well. It's cool. Please listen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That's about it. I believe that's about it. Closing strong. That's all you baby. Well, uh, I've thought about this a little bit and it's not like the most definitive because you can't pick a definitive no. song. I think in my heart of hearts, I have to, I have not just because I love it because I need people to understand and hear Mamishka Mao Squaz. Hell yeah. So thank you so much for listening and watching. See ya.
Oh, <laughs> <laughs>